All right, no cold open this week. Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser J, and with me this week is... Hey, it's Kai, as usual. And we have a surprise special guest, a last-minute edition. Wait, where? <laughs> I don't know, KP. Why don't, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know I'd like to meet them. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, KP's back. Yeah, KP's here again. <laughs> KP, Kuiper, you know me, you love me, and if you don't, you're probably right. Or yeah, or you haven't which or you haven't listened to the great episode we did with him where we talked about Kim Possible and Carmen San Diego. Mostly Carmen San Diego. That was probably one of my favorite episodes we did, honestly. Yeah, that was that was that was fun. Uh, was fun. I was debating whether just saying that was fun or uh it sometimes feels like every episode we do becomes my new favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know how you feel. Uh, though, not super fond about last week's. I, I had like no energy, and I'm bringing that same. F- I have the same feeling I had last week. This week, uh, mm-hmm. don't worry. I'm, me and me and KP are here. Yeah, unemployment is slowly killing me, and so is this quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to date this, I mean the okay, the quarantine wouldn't be that bad, but I just hate being unemployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll leave that at that. Uh, so what this show is is we get together, or no, 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 no. Before we get together, we watch some stuff that we've planned ahead of time, and then we come together and we talk about it. We also, you know, sometimes we play a game. Sometimes we talk about our week. Uh, or weeks, I should say, because this is an every other week podcast. Uh, so in case I do manage to think up a funny little promo for what we're watching this week, this is where I'm going to put it in. Silver wings protect the sword. Not interested. Silver wings protect the sword. No. No, no, no. Silver wings. Well done, and in case I didn't manage to think that up, uh, what I what we watched is the Sword in the Stone and Quest for Camelot. I wonder what the connection. I wonder what the connection is there. Yeah, that well, there's there's really no mystery about this week's theming, is there? <laughs> nope. Uh, wait, wait no. the theme? Did I not get a memo? I'm confused. Uh... I mean, you we weren't even supposed to be on this episode, but it just so happened we ended up watching the things we needed to watch. Well, well we you kept the door it. unlocked, and I just kind of walked in. Yeah, the I'm door was unlocked. It. Well, I mean, just, you tried scaring me with a way of the broom, but I ate it, so like I'm just here now. Yeah, I tried to shoo you off, and then I took a couple pot shots. Yeah, but uh, you're you're a squirrely little bastard, and you stuck around. Yeah. Okay. Pa- I'm gonna pause this entire con- this entire podcast really quickly. Okay. 
just to, to tell you something that's happening right now. Okay. Down the street, uh, there's a live mariachi band playing. Oh boy, I <laughs> wish I was there. <laughs> Again, this is not the first time this has happened. God, I wish I was there. It's just, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a very, you can hear it from here because, like, very, so it's like, it's almost like someone's playing it on a radio, but I know from experience that that, that's a live mariachi band right now playing in this this guy's garage. Man, that's the best. I wish I lived in Texas. I've never said those words in my entire life, but now (laughs) they're just so true. Uh, Honestly. I got mm-hmm. a I got a story involving a mariachi band. Oh yeah. Uh 2011, me and my mom went up to New York to uh for for the unveiling of my dad's uh, gravestone. Mm-hmm. Uh So Jewish burial thing is you have to be buried the day after you die, so there's not enough time to make a headstone. Oh. So you have the funeral and then a few months later you unveil the headstone. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, so that that's so, yeah. Um so that's so we were we went back up to New York for the unveiling of his headstone. Uh he died in 2011. Um sorry. Uh uh and and we were staying in the city rather than Jersey. He's he's buried in Jersey, which is where we used to live. Uh it's where I'm from. Well, not originally, but my earliest memories. Um, uh, and we got on the subway, and there was a mariachi band playing in the subway car. Hmm. Wild. Fucking yeah, New York. Happens a lot in New York. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the way, part of a uh, John Mulaney bit. Yeah. I see. What happens around here a lot is you walk. You you walk and you don't walk down any street, walk down any street, and you'll see someone doing construction, and nine times out of ten, that can use it, it's usually a bunch of Hispanic men, and it's them working them pulling construction materials out of their really old trucks, listening to like the Spanish, like listening to either football, like Spanish football, or, or fucking like the. The, then the uh, musical network for like Hispanic music. Yeah. The uh, Spanish language station. I yeah, think the Spanish, is the, yeah. The trade term. Yeah. The Spanish language station, which we have like two or three of in Houston because it's so yeah. close to the border. You know, yeah. The border. Yeah. We got a couple but, here in Florida too. There's a lot of the big Hispanic population. Around I here. live in the middle of butt fuck nowhere, so uh, there's nothing around here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we got a lot of uh, uh, Puerto Rican and uh, Cuban communities oh. here in Tampa. Uh, mm-hmm. Miami has a lot of Cuban communities, but I've I don't really know Miami good at all. I'm yeah. pretty sure it also has a lot of Puerto Rican communities too, but. Uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. we get a lot of we have a lot of radio stations specifically targeting like those audiences. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh the town I was in college to had uh in had a lot of immigrants from like Haiti. Mm. Oh. No, or Congolese. I forgot which it was, but 
It was a whole it was a whole thing we covered for the newspaper for a while. Interesting. What'd you go to college for, KP? I uh went for journalism and English. Oh, okay. Which I am using neither of. Yeah, that's how that's, it goes. That sounds about right. I only know one person who is a journalism major who actually does journalism. I know nobody. I, I know nobody who went to college and is actually using their degree. Yeah, which is why I never went. <laughs> I don't know. All my friends who got journalism degrees all decided they hate newspapers. <laughs> it's like and oh news. yeah, she uh she works on the radio. She works specifically for uh, NPR. Oh, oh. yeah. I mean, we KP and I have a mutual friend who went to law school and yeah, she hated it. She hated it. Mm. But anyway. But now I'm just real good at asking questions and uh, making fun of news written on TV shows. Like, when you see a news segment on a TV show, I am already making fun of it and how badly (laughs) written it is. Great. There's a there's a, another podcaster I like who uh, by day is a copy editor who does the same thing. <laughs> oh, neat. So, KP, since you're the guest, what have you been doing? Yeah. Let's see. I found my tarot deck the other day. Oh, yeah, you've been doing tarot ratings. Mostly just for me. I don't believe in it. I just think it's neat and a good, like, meditative medium okay like it's not going to tell you anything you don't already know it's just like a way to introduce some randomness into an introspection into your life also the deck i have is literally i bought it just because it's really pretty and i like the aesthetic yeah that's that's literally it (laughs) i have no strong feelings about whether it's true or not but Mm -hmm. like it's a nice meditative tool March Simpson holds up the tarot deck. I just think they're neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I bought a new laptop recently because my laptop's oh, yeah. a potato. Um, so I, with some of the super special stimulus money and unemployment money I've been getting, it's like I have a little bit saved up now. I can just you know upgrade. Yeah. So I did order. It was supposed to come in Friday. And then it didn't. So I'm going to have to wait. But I'm excited for it to come in and for me to finally have I, uh, a decent laptop. I got a question, and I, I don't mean it in a judgmental way. I'm genuinely curious. Yes. Why not go uh, desktop? They're, they're, um, you can usually get something more powerful for cheaper if you're willing to build it yourself. Honestly, because I think it will be easier to... Uh, move from place to place when I move out mm. of the place I'm currently in. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it will be an easier transport situation. And then once I have a slightly more permanent situation, it will be. I'll consider it then. Okay. Yeah. That, that's also, one of my... I like. Go ahead. Uh, I, was, I just like the option to like move it if I have to. That isn't as. Uh, likely with a desktop that's fair yeah no makes sense uh that's my plan too in the future is um to i have a friend 
who actually knows how to build computers. So that's what I'm going to do is try, probably help him help have ask him to help me build my own desktop in the future. Yeah. I, um, I can't picture not like the, there was a period of time where my main computer was my laptop, but I still had my old desktop and I would still use my desktop for literally everything except playing free to play shooters with my friends. Mm -hmm. Well, I've just kind of been using laptops since high school. Yeah. Um, because I would, I had to share my room with my twin brother and he had the desktop. So I needed somewhere else to put my shit. Um, and then and so I would like to move around because he had the desktop in there so like I moved it and then when I was a senior I finally had a bunch of classes convinced the the school to let me just have my laptop with me <laughs> so I could just fuck around in class um, mm -hmm. and then in college it was a little more it was very convenient like moving from the dorm to home and taking the laptop to classes with me to just have a laptop instead of a desktop Okay, I can dig it. Makes yeah, sense. So it's just kind of what I'm used to at the moment. Um, I feel you. I'm trying to think, what other things have I done this week? I already talked about how we're watching Ruby, so. Oh, right, Ruby. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked about that last week, though. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby's yeah. a fun time. Um. Yeah, well, fun is, an, is a, you know, <laughs> I say fun. Show yeah. is pretty, the show has been em emotionally draining. Yeah. A lot, a lot is happening. It's, it's nice for me, as someone who already knew the twist that you're now experiencing, to hear your pain. Oh, you mean like how when we watch Blade Works? Literally, yeah. Yeah. Just that catharsis. Yeah. Um, oh, was it called Schadenfreude? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Now I'm just thinking of Avenue Q. Um, <laughs> specifically the Ace Attorney Avenue Q thing, but that's neither here nor there. Um, that is the only play I have seen in a theater that my school didn't take me to. That sucks. I love Avenue Q. Uh, no, but I mean, it, it's it sucks that you know you haven't seen more musicals. Well, I've listened to the soundtracks. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, I'm there with you. The only musical I think I've seen on a stage that wasn't put on by my school was college productions. And of those, yeah. they were all the only ones that were not at my college was when I went to um, the University of Missouri in high school for a theater thing um, for our musical group because it was like, make a day of it. We'll watch the Mizzou's production of um chorus line which was a wild choice all things considered hmm. yeah my school had to do it was required the theater department they did a musical every year yeah and, and i remember being in theater at the time and every year we they did fucking either a disney thing or susical and it was like can we literally do anything else we anything at all that's when it started with ours. We had uh, Mulan my freshman year, and then we did. Did we do my sophomore year? Lion King. Seussical? I've done Susical. 
Yeah, that's what did. I was leading to. We um, did Susical like three fucking yeah, times. Yeah, it was Susical my sophomore year, and I was um, Vlad Vladikov the Eagle. Then I was ju- also Judge Yerto the Turtle, despite the fact I can't hit his low note. I still don't understand that. Um, and I was also uh, in a cabaret feature where I ended up being Mr. Mooshnik from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, it was a little cabaret thing, so we just did snippets from different songs and strung them together. But I was did Mooshnik and Sons, which continued this running uh, joke from my sophomore year of that choir director would always cast me as the villain. Um, and then in that literally the next year we did, um, the pajama game, which is not a great musical. Going to say that right now. And again, I was cast as the villain, this evil president of the pajama factory, uh, who didn't even get a villain song. That's certainly a sentence you just said. Yeah. The evil president of a pajama factory. Yeah. Did he make them too scratchy on purpose or something? No, he was. It was all about uh, wait, um, the. It's a bad musical. I gotta stress that it was okay. literally about the workers trying to unionize and strike so that they can get their seven and a half cent per hour raise that uh-huh. every other similar factory around them had already gotten. But it turned out that the president had already put that raise on the books and was stealing all that money from all of the employees. That's a little too real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I like I said it was a bad musical and also had a weird like forbidden love thing between like the leader of the union and then like this the main character dude who's like working his way up to VP. It was weird. It was <laughs> a weird time. Huh. Anything else you got going on this this past couple weeks? Oh me? Um no. That's about it. I've been playing Dishonored. Oh. That's a time. Hmm. I used to really like playing the Thief games. So like yeah. it's kinda just coming back home to Thief. What's uh Thief? what what you doing uh clean run or dirty run? Literally, I cannot imagine playing the game and not trying to do ghost runs. Because I'm so used to Thief. I went into the game yeah. and was like, oh, this is just Thief. There are stealth mechanics. I can just I have to hide the bodies. I can I could fight, but why would I when I have sleep darts? Yeah. I feel you. I um I tried playing Dishonored. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't enjoy stealth gameplay in general. Uh I I, I lack the patience for That's it. That's fair. Yeah, and fair. so I would just get into fights because that's the part of video games I find fun, the getting mm-hmm. into fights. And I would feel horrible about it because I would keep getting the bad ending. Or uh, the, the, the chaos the, stuff, yeah. Yeah, I did not. It made me feel bad, so I yeah. stopped playing. Well, here's the thing. I played knowing I was going to be a bad person, and I would do all the non-lethal takedowns because they were literally always a fate worse than death. <laughs> like there there was the third level it was these two brothers who were horrible people and were like abusing like the miners that worked under them mm-hmm. you find them in a brothel but you can the non-lethal takedown is just talk to this gang boss across town and go like hey listen can you take care of these two and he's like great i got it well t- we will 
uh, cut off their tongues, shave their heads, beat them black and blue, and throw them in their own mines so they're mistaken for workers of their own company. Jesus. Criminy. <laughs> and so That's I did a that. lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. And I was like, and the game's like, great, you weren't a horrible person for murdering them. And I'm like, no, I did this because it was objectively the worst option, actually. Yeah, but I didn't you want to show them it. mercy. You didn't do it directly, though. Yeah. Says the game. Says the game. <sighs> um, Video game morality is fun. That yeah. that it for you? Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about you, Kai? Uh, the two main things were um, one is a cartoon which we both kind of watched, but I watched more of it. Okay. With- uh, which was um, Cleopatra in space. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's a it, Cleopatra. For those that don't, Cleopatra in space is an. It's it's on. It's is it on Netflix or is it just on? No, it is on Peacock. Yeah, on Peacock. The NBC's ABC. new NBC's new uh, streaming platform. Yeah, it, it's a DreamWorks production. It's based off of a comic of the same name. Yep. Uh, but by Mike Mayhack. Yeah, that fish lady's from. Yeah, that's what she's from. She's really cute. Um, the um, the how do I put this? It's a really good and cute show, and it's really well animated. But I don't think I'll find myself going back to it anytime soon. Yeah, it it really leans more towards the kid audience than the mixed audience. Yeah, which is you know. Fine. valid you know yeah know your you got to know your audience and the, they know what their audience they want is so honestly looking at it i'm reminded of atomic betty mm. atomic uh, she-ra that's what it reminds me of i well the comic predates she-ra or predates the she-ra reboot i should say oh um, well, yeah i'm just saying based on the pictures i found yeah um yeah, I, I I watched the first episode and I tried to get through the second and I just wasn't digging it, so I I dropped it, which is a shame because I really liked the comic. The um, I watched like seven, about maybe eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the 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 animation is actually really fantastic, especially um when Cleopatra actually gets to fight robots and stuff. Mm, yeah, Did it that- physically looks stellar. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, and it's usually and it, it has consistently competent and decent animation, and then it explodes with like, you know, Sakuga basically. Yeah. Um, and the characters are fun and cute, and the designs are nice, and like I, but like I said, it's one of the. It's I have nothing bad to say about it, but it it doesn't. That's what we're looking for. It. There's a word it's I'm looking for. Your age demographic. Well, yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't it grab it doesn't grab me in the same way that other shows would. It 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 um. There's some shows that are intended for kids that will also slip just an equal amount of things for the parents watching along with the kids. And the feeling I got from that first episode and a half was they weren't really attempting to do that too much. No. And it's mostly very like episodes that you would expect from that type of show. Yeah. 
no, like one of the characters can't say no to the fish girl, which is actually that episode is actually pretty funny. Mainly, there's a bit in it where Cleo, the two of them are rooms, and basically Cleo claims their whole room because she couldn't say no because Cleo needed more space. And then the yeah. the third kid, the robot, he finds her like he finds the fish girl like stuff in a closet, <laughs> just scrunched up onto a so onto an old mattress. Yeah. And she's just like, all right, I need to stand up, actually. If I sit there for too long, I start to not feel my legs. <laughs> it's it's a cute and fun show. Yeah. It, I'm, your thoughts on it kind of reminded me of how I feel. When I go to most Sentai shows, Super Sentai shows, not all mm. of them, but a lot mm. of them have that same sort of it's meant primarily for the kids audience. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Whereas like Common Rider yeah. does the other thing where it's like, no, we're, we're aiming for an uh, older and like a mix and up. they still want the teenagers. Yeah. The Common Rider wants the kids, but it also wants like the old fans and the teenagers. Yeah. Whereas Super Sentai is very, very, we want the, the kids. kids. We want the kids. And that's yeah. fine. But Even it, when it, it it's an exceptional season like Tokuger, yeah, uh, Tokuger, Tokuger, uh, it it's still like it. It definitely appeals to an older crowd too, but it's still primarily for the kids. That's I remember. That's why I stopped watching uh, Q Ranger. Was it just I couldn't? I it wasn't for me. Yeah. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting that for Sentai, but I think that like part of the reason that they haven't been as successful with the last few years is a combination of things. But one of them is the fact that they're focusing too heavily on the kids, and there's also not as many kids in Japan as there used to be. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's a whole thing that they I'm do not even... have declining birth rates. That's so. a that's a whole kettle of fish that I'm not going to get into. Yeah. We've set the kettle of fish on the table, and now we're taking it back to the fridge. Yep. Return. Yep. I'm gonna ret- return to sender. Uh, the other, the only, the other thing that I want to talk about was a web comic. Okay. It's called Star Impact. Mm. Hey, laser. About this a little yesterday. Laser, do you like Epo? Yes, very much so. And you've already got me going to the website. <laughs> do you like Hajime no Ippo? You know I do. What if I told you this oh. was Hajime no Ippo, but with dumb JoJo bullshit? Well, you also failed to mention that the referee is Waluigi. It's Mario, actually. It's Mario? Okay. Because, you know, punch out. Oh, okay. He's that's too lanky to be Mario, but whatever. Well, it's it's supposed to look like Mario because that's I'm a reference. You've gotten yeah. this far into the cell and even not mentioned the lesbians. I'm getting there. Lesbians. I'm getting to the lesbians. <laughs> His goal was to sell me on it, and he knows the cell for me is Ipo. It's Ipo. Yeah. Imagine it, this. It's very it's very Ipo, obviously, because the uh, the artist, um, Mister Drooling Demon, on Twitter. It's heavily inspired by Epo. Imagine Epo, but the boxing gloves every boxer has is has like a special power. They're called can... leather. They're called yeah. leathers. Mm-hmm. 
And like like one of like the first opponent to the main girl fights is called Urchin and his boxing gloves have like spikes on them. And they basically they don't penetrate the skin, but they basically increase his range. So he be and he basically puts on this like a, a, a basically a strategy that leads to a heavy a heavy offense and defense simultaneously. And he call and his leather, the name of his gloves, the spiky ones are, is called Thorn Palace. And all of the the gloves have a name like that. Huh. I'm I'm reading it right now. I'm, I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna have to stop myself. But it's very good. Oh, oh. god, it, I'm struggling to look away. This is just it's everything you want. It it I wouldn't go that far, but it looks very interesting. It's very good. It's also got a really good, like I said, the lesbian thing because the main girl, um, Aster. And her rival, the rival character, the Miata of the story. Mm-hmm. Big lesbian energy coming from the two of them. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll get into my feelings on rival to lovers when I get to my week. Oh? Uh, oh, you're talking about She-Ra, huh? Yeah. I literally watched the entire season yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, but... If you got more for your week, let, let's carry um, on with that. Uh, let's see. The only other thing that I was watching, I, I'm contending with Diamond No Ace, but I think I'm going to save my full thoughts when I probably finish the first season of it. Fair enough. Because it's like it's separated in apart. It's currently part one and two. I'm probably going to finish up part one before I give some conclusive thoughts about Diamond No Ace. I'm like halfway through it. Sounds good. So, laser. My week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched two things. Um, I thought there was maybe three. Well, okay. No, I'll do the smallest first one. Uh, season two, episode seven of Harley Quinn came out this week. Oh. Oh. And it ended with uh, Harley and Ivy kissing. So I guess they're nice. going to get into that aspect. Nice, 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 nice. nice and it, nice. it was very much not like a like a friend kiss. It was, it had the uh, rom-com linger. <laughs> yeah. You could hear the audience going, woo. Yeah. Uh, so it, they are going to get into that. I'm okay. So in the comics, they have an open relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of hoping they do that here too, because <sighs> I hate to admit, it, but I kind of like, the relationship Ivy has with Kite Man. I I don't they're engaged right now in the show. Uh spoilers for Harley Quinn, but mm-hmm. yeah. They they got in, they they started it started as uh Ivy's embarrassed to be dating him, but then she sort of uh goes, no, no 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 it it was like okay it started as uh he so Kite Man's like a <laughs> I'm Kite Man, kites, uh, kind of guy, and he's like super embarrassed. Ivy has like the cool leather jacket girl vibe, mm-hmm. uh, and so she's like, I don't, not this guy, not don't hit on me. And then she actually goes on a date, and she says she likes being around him, and she enjoy, she has fun with him, and he's like genuinely nice to her, even though he's kind of like like cheesy he's not 
bad, <laughs> which is funny because they're super villains. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's not an asshole. Basically, he's he's just cheesy. Um, and and they first she's like she wants to keep it on the DL, but then it's like no, you know what? I like him. I'm going to be more open about this, and and then they end up getting engaged, and uh, even Harley Quinn comes to like Kite Man, and though she's skeptical at first, but that's more about her baggage with Joker than it's particularly Kite Man. Um, so like I, they really sold me on it over the last two and a half season and the last season and a half, they really sold me on it. And I also still really from the start wanted Harley Ivy to be a thing because as, as many of us do, I think almost everyone wants that. Yeah. Except maybe certain dumbass jackasses. Mm-hmm. Um, we know the type. Yeah. I want both. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. <laughs> you want the, you want the kite man, Harley Quinn, Ivy polycule. No, I don't. I do. Uh. I don't want kite man and Harley Quinn to be in a relationship. I want I require everyone. Okay, polycules don't require everyone be connected. Okay, yeah, polycules like V's. Yes. Okay. Okay. They don't have to be. I thought a polycule was the same thing as a thruple. No. No. Thruple is a It's a rectangle square thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rectangle square thing. I'm chill with the polycule. I want the the Harley Quinn Ivy kite man polycule. Yes. It's just like the Lupin Jigen Goemon polycule. Yeah. <laughs> and Fuchiko. Yeah. The big polycule. The quadratic polycule. Because Jigen has wants nothing to do with Fujiko. Let's be let's be clear about this. I Yeah. I mean, you forgot Zenigata, who also no one else is dating, but Lupin's very still into. <laughs> Yeah. Don't get me started on Lupin. I could go for hours. We, You're going to get started on Lupin eventually when we talk about it on this show. Yeah, and you need the material then. Yeah, save it. Save your A material. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, so back to Harley Quinn real quick. I don't think it's impossible that I will get my cake and eat it too because Kite Man has been proven to be very chill with just about anything Ivy wants. Not to the point that he's a doormat, because it's the, he's not a doormat, but he's like, hey, if it makes you happy, baby, I'm all there for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'd be drinking that respect women juice. Yeah. Respect women juice. By the way, King Shark is a treat in this show. Is that... Okay, is that is that clip that I've been seeing from Harley Quinn... Or is that from Justice League Dark? Uh, which which one? With the Constantine and King Shark. With Constantine and King Shark. No, that's that's uh Justice League Dark. Okay, got it. Uh, King Shark is a great white in this, not a hammerhead. He wasn't mm-hmm. a hammerhead in the other one either. No, he was a great white in. Oh well, in... I thought he was. A no, he's a great white in Justice League Dark too. All right. No, and... uh. <laughs> Great King Shark hasn't had any romantic stuff in this series. He's just sort of been like, oh god, who is it that voices him? When I tell you who voices him, you'll kind of get a quick understanding of the character. Okay. Uh, oh no, it's my ex. 
Who, Harley? What do you think? I'm crazy? <laughs> uh, winks. The real shocking thing is... Constantly. It's Ron Funches. Ron Funches. That sounds familiar. Uh, you might know him in, from... I'm trying to think of what else you might know him from. Hmm. Um, and he was in Trolls. The beat goes on, but I don't, I don't know what that is. I know. I haven't. No. He was Sparko in uh, OKKO. Okay, oh, oh, okay. Well, he was also in Twelve Forever. Yeah. Neat. Um, he he's like he's like their nerdy tech guy, but also like very very much like I mean, it's Ron Funches. He, he I, I. I don't feel qualified to say whether he's black coded or not, but I kind of feel like they're going for uh black nerd vibe with him a little bit. Got it. Uh, I don't feel qualified to make that call, but that's just the vibe I get. None I of us in this, in this call are qualified to make that. Just... Yeah. None of us in this call are qualified. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, that, that's, Kind of my feelings on Harley Quinn. I'm not going to mention the characters I don't like. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's Harley Quinn. That I literally just watched that today. It came out yesterday. Um, I had enough on my plate yesterday, though, as we'll get to soon. Uh, other than that, I watched uh, The Hollow Season 2 on Netflix. Yeah, you told me about this. I've never heard of this. Yeah, um, I thought it was Titmouse. Uh, that made it, but I guess maybe it changed. Oh, it's that show. Yeah, Sorry, it, it's yeah. a I it's remember, an isekai. Yeah, I remember trying to watch episode one and then not. It didn't grip me. Yeah, the first episode of season one is very stereotypical. Eventually, the characters do kind of grab a hold of you. Potentially, that that's how it was for me. It it's very much just they're in a game show. That's mm. in a virtual world. Hmm. And ah. they have to figure that out. Interesting. Yeah. I would have um, pulled that from looking at the screenshots. I thought it was a, I thought it for sure it was a, some sort of like monster of the week supernatural situation. Uh, it kind of is, but it uses that to fur. It's my favorite type because, yeah, there's like a different problem every episode, but it's all very much furthering the plot. At least for the first season. The second season is all just furthering the plot. Got it. Um, a, st- a change of the status quo, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like the Kolioko setup. Yeah. Um, there's Except- no real world segments. No. Oh, no, I just meant the epis- episodic stuff leading into actual plot in the second oh, yeah. Episode. Yeah, except because Kolioko's episodic stuff goes on for way too long. Yeah, well, yeah, here it, it, literally it's the second season. It's just season one was long. Yeah, season one was like forty fucking episodes. Yeah, uh, with with Hollow, it it's not so much that as it's like the end of every episode. You kind of know what the next episode is going to be. Got it. They're because it, each other. yeah. Uh, threat over, introduction of the new thing, cliffhanger, new episode, same thing. Got it. Uh, more or less. It, it's been a while since I watched season one, but that's sort of how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, season two is interesting. It has some. 
it has plot twists in it, so I'm not going to get too much into the specifics of it. Uh, but I called just about every plot twist they had. Uh, mm. th- there was a couple that I didn't, but most of them I called. Uh, still very good. Just because, just because you figure out something before the show wants you to doesn't make it a bad show. Just yeah, like how I called the whole thing with Venomous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think anyone over the age of, let's say, eleven called that. Not to disparage you, I'm I'm sorry. I called it too, but mm-hmm. it it it's just yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that was a dickish thing to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's fine i needed a bit of a deflation on my ego on that no no it, it's no it's fine Don't celebrate all your victories that that's my genuine vindication feeling. yeah anyway uh doesn't matter how obvious a plot point i call i always go yes when i see it my yeah. prediction go right doesn't that's yeah how i felt when i played Literally all of the um, Zero Escape games. Mm. Except the third ah. one. The third one's bad. We don't have to get into it. I called the twists for the first two, though. And I was very excited about those. The twists. Anyway. But it was really funny when I, my mom started playing the first Zero Escape. She also called the twist to the first one. The identity of Zero. And I was just like, yeah, that's an interesting theory, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, that's the Hollow season two. I I, I don't oh. want to. Um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I think it's a good candidate for the show, honestly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, because it's only two seasons. I don't see them going further than that. Uh, everything's kind of tied up neatly at the end of season two. Oh, that's nice. Um, it's nice when a show just happens and it gets to end, and then it's like, yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess to end on its own terms, rather. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I just need to... There's one piece of information I wanted to look up. Uh, Okay. Um... Yeah, no, I can't find it. Never mind. Forget it. Um, okay. All right. So that that's that's that. And the only other thing is uh, She-Ra season five. Yeah, I've I've heard the hustle and bustle that it's it's over. So yeah, it's over. It's all tied up neatly in a package. And mm-hmm. we, if if we do that show, we might just have to do like the entire show. Yeah, because. I I don't see myself stopping at seasons and waiting a couple weeks. I'll just run through it. I mean, to be fair, the seasons are really short. Yeah, they're usually like 13 episodes or a little shorter than that. So um, yeah, we could definitely talk about the entire show. Yeah, well, we we talked about this before, but we could do, when we want to do an entire show, we could do like... Uh, two seasons. Two and seasons in one episode. And this is five seasons, so it'd be like two and a half episodes. Yeah, just about. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I am not going to talk about spoilers. I'm guessing from your rivals to lovers comment, I'm guessing a certain thing happened that people have been talking about, but I'm not going to say what it is. I think anyone okay. who's been watching the show and knows anything about uh, the showrunner Noel Stevenson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. called this from day one. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Ginger Hazing on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure that's also her Tumblr if she still has a Tumblr. Um, uh, I think she does. Yes. Yeah, I used to follow her there, but I'm not on there. We we, we all know my stance on Tumblr. We we get we yeah we've heard. Yeah, yeah. bad. That's an objectively correct statement. No, I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to go into spoilers, but I do want to use it as a jumping off platform for something. Mm-hmm. I hate rivals to lovers. Hmm. Oh. Um. I hate enemies to friends to lovers. I hate enemies to lovers. I hate hmm. enemies. I like enemies to friends, but I don't want it to go beyond there. Hmm. I. It works in Shira. Uh. It it worked because there it went friends. To friendly rivals. To rivals. To rivals. To enemies. To enemies. And to rival lovers. enemies. And then lovers. lovers. And then lovers. Yeah. It, it's extreme slow burn. I also don't like slow burn, apparently. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, You're killing me, laser. I just... Okay. I'm joking. For the most, I know. For the most part, I, I don't like romance store. I like... I like clear delineations in what story I'm reading. I like my action stories to just be action stories. I like my romance stories to just be romance stories and ne'er the twain shall meet. Mm. Um, don't get your peanut butter on my chocolate, says Lizard. I also don't like Reese's. <laughs> God, what are we even doing here? Sorry, I gotta go. I gotta leave. It's nice I gotta, here on the I got no, um, a thing to do. It, it's just, I don't like how melty... I like Reese's Pieces. Uh, fine. I just don't like how melty Reese's always get. My, I have very warm hands, so <laughs> me just handling the package makes the chocolate melt, and I hate it. Okay, that's fair. That's, um, fair. that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've never had to defend that before. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever... Uh, I've never admitted that before. It's a fair criticism. Uh... uh <laughs> Mish must like M&M's then, huh? I do like M&M's. But... No, it's your mouth, not your hands. Yeah, though, <laughs> I'll also be honest, I don't think I've ever taken longer than a single mouthful to finish a bag of M&M's. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, Rival is the lover's yeah, I, I just... I don't enjoy it. I more It's more that I don't enjoy it, I don't get it. Hmm. I don't get the how the antagonism and romance are somehow tied up in the same thing. If I don't like someone, I don't go around that person. I avoid them like the plague. Yeah. I, feel I like can't she, imagine that ever switching. I feel like it tends to require like very specific setups of 
these two are like in enemies in some like official capacity, like, you know, a detective and a phantom thief. And they're crossing paths in ways where like it's somehow they're usually they're enemies of circumstance rather than like actively actually dislike each other's personalities. And there's also like a even I think the best rivals to lovers ships are the ones where the two characters clearly have a mutual respect for each other. There's just on different sides. Mm. We come back to Lupin the Third with Zenigata and Lupin. Yes, mm. they, they respect each other deeply. Okay. I will say it works in Shira. Um okay. just because they grew up together. Like they they were friends when they were kids. She Cat Adora was Catra's only friend. And that evolved into stronger emotions. And then she, then Adora left mm -hmm. to join the rebellion and fight against the horde, and Catra felt betrayed. That's the core of that. Also, there is inadequacy issues because uh, they were raised by Shadow Weaver, who is a sorceress, and she would pit them against each other. Oh, yeah. And she was very doting with Adora and supportive of Adora, but she was always mm -hmm. dismissive of Catra. So there's mm -hmm. that issue playing into it. Mm. Uh, Got it. That was a long-running theme with abuse. Yes. Yes. Almost. Almost. Um, and you see this plot point of Catra's mirrored in the the big bad of the first four seasons, uh, Hordak. Ah. Uh, I don't want to go any further than that, but he also gets his uh, redemption. Kind of. It's it didn't go as in depth as I wanted because I found myself at the end of season four more enthralled with Hordak than any other character. I guess we'll get more into that when we actually talk about the show. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I liked his story of, oh, it, it, yeah. Um, not, not to say I, I, I loved all of She-Ra. There's nothing about She-Ra that I did not like. I, I can't stress that enough. It is a perfect reboot because it took something that was, you know, good for its time and made it great for our time. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I, I love this show. It's the list is okay. KO gravity falls. Shira that that's like my list right now. Out of the ferret cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Of the last decade, of the last, of the last decade. decade. Uh, yeah, the last decade. Yeah, yeah. Of Even all time, of all time, it, well, that's a that's a conversation for another time. That's a much longer conversation. That's a deep, deep conversation. But anyway, any more things you want to say about uh, Ao three tropes? Uh, yeah. Um. I find when I do enjoy ships, it's very much just uh, from the start, one expresses romantic interest in the other. Mm. And then the other starts to express that interest also eventually. That that's kind of I'm I'm very plain and boring. Vanilla. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Pining. 
there's nothing wrong with general the genuine pining as long as it's well written. Yeah. Uh, like okay. My two favorite ships are uh, Eduardo and Kylie from uh, Extreme Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And uh, Davis and Kari from season two of Digimon. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, interesting. That's where you stand on on that divide. Yeah, I, where I stand on that divide is that um, Davis and Ken should be together, but here we are. I don't disagree. <laughs> I I see the appeal of that too. Okay, but there were another enemies to lovers thing. They yeah. are. Big enemies to lovers. But you see, they become best friends first. That's true. It's enemies to best friends to lovers. I can get behind that. That's fair. Um, Have you guys seen... Not to go off on a, a Ken Davis tangent, but... Have you guys seen Revenge of the Aboromon? There, for I, anybody who yes, anybody, I did. Yeah, anybody who who likes Ken and Davis together, go watch that movie because there's a lot of really cute moments with the two of them in it. Yeah, they're they're. Oh, that's one of the two movies that got mur- Okay, okay, okay. No, it's not. Oh, because no, Ken's no. not in Ken's not no, in the merch. Right. No, you're thinking of you're thinking of our war it game. Has, yeah, it just has the same animation style of our war game. That's what confused. Same me. art director. Yeah. Yeah, same art director. Which, let me guess, it's the same person who did the sixth One Piece movie? Uh, oh, you mean oh, Baron Amatsuri? Yeah. It's also yeah. the guy who did Summer Wars. Yeah, which is the movie he wanted to make when he made our war game. Yeah, <laughs> which it shows. It really uh, does. It really, really shows, yeah. Um. I, yeah, I recognized the weird <clears throat> no shading against a really detailed background style. Anything else you want to throw out there, Laser? Uh, it threw me for some loops. Uh, at the end of season four, I was really geared up for Catra uh, Glimmer to become a thing because I thought they had a really interesting dynamic towards the end. Interesting. Glimmer had a very big like character change, like personality change in season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard people talking big. Glitchradora, which is the polycule name of the ship. Yeah. Um that that's not where that goes. The the show kind of ends with uh well I'm not yeah. gonna say. I'm not it gonna was, say. Yeah. I mean I can guess, but yeah, I gotcha. Well honestly, the way it ends for Glimmer is kind of what surprised me the most. Hmm. Uh but I won't get any further into that. Um mm. Let's just say I didn't expect any heterosexual ships at all in this oh. show. Ow. That's Boo. Fair. Boo. But it was still really sweet because it was best friends to a relationship. Uh, I can right. I can I can get with that. I and for anyone who knows the show, it's already I've already spoiled it for them with that sentence and Yeah. I apologize, enough. but fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh I had to defend it because I I was shocked by it, but it was sweet. Get a little of this heterosexual to fun in the heterosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just fucking. No, it it is genuinely the most boring way they could have done it, but it's also 
I find yeah. it equally sweet. And I'm pretty sure it was to we appease certain yeah. people. Even KP and I agreed that some hetero ships are valid. Yeah. Some. You have, you have to do a harder sell for me, is the thing. Yes. Yes. I am so uninvested in shipping. Uh, I will never try to sell anyone on anything. I'd actually rather my enjoyment experience be shipless now That's at fair. this point. Uh, I'm just tired of it. I am tired of anything even remotely related to fandom. That is That's fair. fair. I don't, totally fair. Yeah, I don't got... The energy? It's more than energy. I don't got the patience mm-hmm. to deal... You know that scene in uh, Men in Black? The... Uh, a person is smart. People are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's that sums up my feeling on fandoms. Yeah, well, this this is this is why the rule on fandom is find like five people and only talk to those people about the thing. I take that a step farther. Find five people who don't know each other and never introduce them so you can have five different conversations with five different people because as soon as you become a unit, you will start being stupid. <laughs> it's true. The more guests we have on the show, the stupider we become. Yeah. Wait, you started with brain cells? <laughs> Not that yeah. many. Uh, KP, uh, I'm gay. Come on. What are we doing yeah, here? Yeah. I did. Uh, are we done with Shira? Because I did have one other thing I wanted to ask about, actually. Oh. Uh, I got nothing else to say, so ask. Okay, have you seen, and this is just, it's, I don't have much information about it, that's why I didn't want to put it in my original segment, but have you seen the trailer for the new Lego Monkey Kid uh, cartoon? I did, it I, looks fucking awesome! I saw a little clip, um, it does look fucking sickly animated, but I do have concerns about whether it's maybe a little tone deaf using the yellow Chinese, the yellow Lego pieces. With I mean, they're I all didn't even, I didn't yellow. even think about that. Like but they're, they're always, they're always yellow is the it's thing. It's like a Simpsons thing. Like not Lego Batman. They're not yellow in Lego Batman. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah they, they are. are. Yeah, they are. Uh, the only one that isn't is like Joker or no, nope, I am looking at Lego Batman right now. And okay, they all have the, human. No, you're right. So that's because they're based on like actors and like human characters. These are closer like Ninjago. Yeah, Which, like this setting is an original ni- Lego setting, like Ninjago or like um the Lego Island. By the way, side note: Ninjago is way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> the movie. The I'll, I'll agree with the movie. I, no. The okay, show no. is no, no. to me. No, no, here's the thing. I would agree with you if only if you've only watched like the first season or two. It's I'm pretty sure that. I watched. I'm pretty sure I watched more than that. Okay, well then, never mind. Other. There are other Lego settings that like just have them all do the standard Lego yellow to where I think a lot of enough people are going to get. I, I haven't heard any complaints just because like it's just like the standard Lego skin tone and it has been in order okay. to make it completely blank. And like okay. I'm sure they're just going to like anyone that isn't explicitly supposed to have like dark skin is just going to have the yellow skin. That's like going to be the, yeah. whole, the whole deal. It, it It does look nice, though. And it's also on brand for you to ask about this. 
Listen, it's, it's your your audience doesn't know this about me. I am how do we put this delicately? A simp for Journey to the West. Mm-hmm. I love it a whole lot. I have a copy right here on my desk. Big uh, Journey to the West mark. Super big. I love it. So I'm I could probably it. tell you a lot about the fact that they used uh, Red uh, Red Boy as the main villain, which is an interesting choice because he's the only one who puts up an actual... The first time, actually, that anyone puts up an actual fight against the Monkey King. But that's a whole lot <laughs> that I've already said. I mean, it's just like how I'm a Three Kingdoms mark. I do really like the uh, that Pigsy and Sandy are here. And a thing that I've been looking into is like, uh, I want to know more about some of the characters. It seems that the new girl that they have is here to be our stand-in for the white dragon horse, because she has a white dragon horse motorcycle, which is neat. I mean, and the, the, the big bad is the, the, Ox, the Ox Mountain Demon. Yeah, the Ox Mountain Demon summoned by his son, who is Red Boy. But in this, based on Lego's website, he's going to be called Red Son, which is not inaccurate, but an interesting decision. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but any, but yeah. So yeah, it looks neat. It looks neat. Just, it does yeah, look neat. I'm excited because Journey to the West is a thing I really love, and it's not a straight up adaptation, which is an interesting choice for Lego because they could have just adapted it, and no one would have questioned it. Is yeah. the thing. Uh, yeah. But they were like, and they could have adapted it in a modern setting, and again, no one would have questioned it because no one questioned Dragon Ball when it happened. Yeah. Nope. And I mean, Dragon Ball stopped being Journey to the West after they got the Dragon Balls for the first time, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like the point being, they wanted they have it in a modern setting. They could have done it, but I think it's neat that they're trying to do a whole thing with like, no, it's a sequel, and our main goal is getting to the Monkey King. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's so overpowered. If we started with the Monkey King, this would be over immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mo- Wukong is god a lot. People talk about Hercules and all those guys, but Wukong, Wukong beats them. Sumo Kong is fucking the be-all end-all of ridiculous characters. He is immortal five different ways. Yeah, he's immortal five different ways. He's been killed so many different times and not like killed, air quotes, and come back he beat the entire the entirety of all the armies of heaven. He once lodged a formal complaint with hell that, because they uh, took his soul to, to kill him, and he's like, "No, I'm already immortal." Yeah, and then they and then he erased his name from the Book of the Dead. Now we're just turning into a Journey to the West fan cast. Yeah, okay. I got a, I got a question for you. Yes. yes. Wukong. Yes. Versus mm-hmm. Gilgamesh. Wukong. 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 Gilgamesh is neat. He is not five ways immortal, nor does he have the many, 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 many tricks Wukong has. Okay. The only reason... The only reason... Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, Goku is, even though he's based on Sun Wukong, does not hold a candle to the original Sun Wukong in terms of power level. Not even a little bit. Well, maybe not early on. I wouldn't say until like the much like a late late game Goku does he start a pro. Yeah, like it. Super Saiyan two Goku. I'd yeah. even go three, but that's me. Um, Who's that one guy from uh, Indian Myth? Uh, there's a lot of those. Oh, um, Arjuna. 
Arjuna. That's what I'm thinking of. He's a yeah. He's a he's a huge badass. Arjuna's he, a huge. Yeah. Would he hold the candle to Wukong? Yeah. Probably. So. Indian in general, Chinese myths and Indian myths ha have similar power levels of this dude is over the top because this is mostly an allegory for how you're supposed to mm. act. We're just talking God. about fate now, basically. Yeah, we are. God damn it. <laughs> this is just this is just fate. We're just talking about fate. And Arjuna is in fate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. I, I had him in FGO. And Wukong isn't yet, which KP is very angry about. If they wanted me to get, if they wanted me to play FGO, they'd add Wukong. When they do, I'm going to be right there. Yeah, by that metric, you must play Warframe because you can get a set of a Warframe based on Wukong. My computer won't run it. Oh, that's. A shame. Do you play Smite? <laughs> no, actually, I have no patience for mobile online arenas. Fair enough. Or, yeah. Whatever they're called. So. All right, uh, so that's it for my week, and that's it for this segment. We're going to take one short break, and when we get back, we've got some upkeep. Now we're back on to our show. And we're back. Uh, after that short break, we got some upkeep to do this week. We uh, Kai is not caught up with DuckTales, which is just one episode, because we are recording on the 16th, which is Saturday, and there was no episode this week, so we only have last week's. But we're not going to be talking about that, even though it's right up Kai's and mine's alley. I know, I know. Uh, I know, yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, you know, we'll catch up. We'll, we'll, we'll have a three episode to talk about when we get when we come back in two weeks, mm -hmm. uh, as always. Uh, but both of us caught up with Azokin finally, so we're going to finish that off. Yep. And that is what? Episode 7 through 12. 7 through 12. 12 yeah i thought there was 13 there's only 12 episodes okay okay the manga is actually really short too it's only like five volumes i didn't even know there was a manga yeah there's also a live action series that's running right now i heard about the live action series yeah okay i think it would be real interesting for someone to cut together the live action series and when they go into the imagination world they put in the the segments from the anime instead of the live action show that would be a very interesting edit how are they doing those i don't segments? know, you know I, I haven't watched the live action series so i don't know okay that's it would be it would be a really interesting edit i think yeah it would uh so yeah we're going to talk about azoken and then uh, KP's out for this because he hasn't he hasn't watched it at all, right? Yeah, as far as I know. So you know, uh, he just sent on Discord. Okay. Um, but once we, yeah, I got it. Uh, once we finish with Azokin, KP will be jumping back in, and we're going to talk about Scoob, which 
we all watched, watched together like a family last night. Yes. Uh, Hot off the presses. Yeah. So that's our upkeep this week. Uh, so let's hop into it. So yeah, Azoken, 7 through 12. Uh, you want to open up on this? Now that it's over, I can say this with absolute certainty that Izoken, it as a person who is a creative, it speaks to me on a personal level. Especially as a creative who is who has uh, how do I put this? Who has ADHD? <laughs> mm. It you know I re- relate so strongly with the main the main girls the the two the two animators yeah Mizaki, Mizuzaki and um Asakusa yeah Asakusa. 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 Uh, I relate to them, especially uh, Asakusa, just because she's so... Her going, just being like, I have this another idea. No, you have to focus on the thing you're working on now. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, a, it's right, it hits me right here, because that's, that's me. I'm I'm right there with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's something, huh? That was me for a long time until I actually re- sat down and wrote something and finished it. Um, not to put too fine a point on it, but I had never finished anything until then. And then I spent two, maybe two, almost three years writing a thing, and I finished it. And that's my um. It's funny to say, but it's a Digimon fan fiction. Mm. And it was like, what if I wrote my own season of Digimon? With my own characters and my own setting and my own story. And it it, it ended up being ridiculously long. <laughs> <laughs> like several novels long. Yeah. But and it was the first thing I ever finished. And now I'm really finally getting to the idea of focusing on one thing and you know, actually finishing it. Um, I mean, I still obviously have my own. I get distracted occasionally, but I've gotten a lot better about it. So I relate really strongly with Saksa and her whole wanting to go out and do a thing. And it, she it needs really to get part one yeah. done before she can work on part two. I get you. It hit really. It really hit home for yeah. me personally. This whole story hits home personally for me. Uh, I, I relate to a different part more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was specifically, uh, Mizusaki, uh, her attention to motion and ah. imitation emotion and wanting to capture very specific emotions, not emotions, but motions. Um, yeah. that's my favorite part of animation when they just capture something that's very specific that you probably won't see every day, but it's like an everyday motion for a person, but it's like a highly ritualized motion at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that teacup thing is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Or the, how she holds her chopsticks. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that part really hit me. Yeah. The, the attention to detail in animation and wanting to like, I like how her parents put it is that this is how she acts. She interprets the world this way as opposed to them who do it through traditional acting. Yeah. 
which I thought was a really poignant thing. Yeah. And a really nice capstone on her uh, arc as a character. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad her parents were in complete shitbags. Yeah, that's that was always the worry, right? Yeah. And as, as much as I relate to Asakusa, personally, Kanamori is still my favorite character. <laughs> Kanamori is a very interesting character. I think Muzusaki is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really like I really liked Kanamori, but she really endeared herself to me when you finally got to see her as a, a little child. Yeah, the uh the, the her relatives convenience store. Yeah. That was originally a liquor store, that was originally a brewery or distillery or whatever. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um well in, in this shitty society we live in Relating to a character who has seen a family business, uh, their family, their family's business fail, and becomes kind of scrupulous. I'll, I'll say, jaded, jaded, but also not scrupulous isn't the right word. Um, She's realistic. There's a, there's a term I want to use that I don't know if it's like an actual slur or not but it's usually used in an insulting way. Mm. Uh, Skinflint. Oh, she's frugal. Frugal. Yeah, that's the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find that aspect very uh, relatable and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I like that she grounds them. Yeah. They, they have a good balance. It, the I really like this show because it it is about the balance of those two things. Yeah, like b- both the things are important. You see, I think it's more of a balance of three things. Hmm. Um. Asakusa is very much the big picture in animation. You know, she likes the setting and like the the, the set pieces and and the backgrounds and the, that that's her thing. But Mizukasa is more about the little details. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, the things that make that world, like, familiar. They, they, make, they breathe life into the world. They make it yeah. feel real. Yeah. And then Kanamori is, okay, but how can we make this work? How can we do this realistically in the real yeah. world? Yeah. And it's trying to balance all three of these things and never saying that one is more important than the other. And the, the creative process is about balancing the your creative desires with the reality of actually trying to do it. Yeah. Which I think is a very poignant statement on the creative process as a whole. Yeah. It, and, it, yeah, it's, go ahead. It's a... It's a this is the first time in quite a while that I've managed to get through an entire subbed anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a fight, uh, even though I really enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, I really have one little quibble about it, but that can wait. Um, and that little quibble is purely by stupid brain demons. Um, Mind goblins. 
Yeah, trying to find my own term. Got uh, it. uh, yeah, uh, it, it's a really damn good series. Yeah, it. I don't. It's one of those things where I don't think I'll re. It's not that it be, it's. I don't think I'll revisit it anytime soon. But it's one that I'll look fondly on, and when I do revisit it, I'll, it's going. I I really I'll really want to, you know. Yeah, I, what I could see happening is in a couple of years I'll watch the live action series, and then mm-hmm. I'll maybe get in the mood to rewatch the animated one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't revisit television series nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't really have anything else to say. I did want to say that I liked that their final short was sort of like an amalgamation of all the things that they talked about throughout the series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That- it's it's the reconciliation of the artistic vision with reality and the the artistic vision and reality are also that reconciliation is reflected within the short itself. Yeah. Which I think is really poignant. Yeah. Uh, I'm (laughs) yeah. Yeah. No, No, I agree. No, 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 it's it's fine. Um, You, you, You put it perfectly. Uh, yeah, that's go. Hey, if you haven't already, Go watch Aizoken. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, really good. I had that one little quibble, and oh, it's yeah. purely my mind goblins. Yeah. Um, when we first talked about this series, I said that I thought I would get really tired of the more like fantas- fanciful segments. Yeah. Where it... I understand why those segments there. They're supposed to represent getting immersed in your creative process. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that. I would rather just hear them talk about it. Hmm. But and that then would, that would see be the animation at the end when it's animated. I, I for some reason, here's the 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 brain demon. It, it ties back to that like clear delineation thing I talked about during ships and Shira. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's... Where when 70% of a story is grounded, I'd really rather the remaining 20 or 30% also be grounded. I kind of hate when it goes into a flight of fancy. Mm, and that's your own. Uh, personal that's thing. just my stupid mind goblin. It does not detract from the series. My opinion of the series in any way. It's just my stupid mm-hmm. brain. That's fine. Uh, I, I, I got a one track mind. I can deal with one thing at a time. Yeah, that's a mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else to say about it. So I loved it. I yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I love it. Uh, I love all the characters. And I think that honestly, Kanamori and Asakusa are peak female character design. <laughs> I. Yeah, I think all the. Yeah, I did not like the class president. Uh huh. The not not the not the one that uh, people thought was the class president, but the one that actually was the class president. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the bootlicker, as I'll call her. Yeah. Yeah. 
I anyone who sucks up to the teachers can fucking kiss my ass. Yeah. But that's I sorry, think. teachers. I just have never had a I... good experience with teachers. I don't trust. Fair enough. I don't trust authority figures in general. Let's leave it at that. That's a how that's honestly, you know. Yeah. Considering our current environment, probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for Izoken? Yep. Alright, KP, get back, get the fuck back in here. Hi, guys. I don't mean to alarm you, I think your backyard might be on fire. Oh. Did you cause that? No. Hmm. No. <sighs> okay. Be the first time. Nope. But anyway... Please excuse our technical difficulties. Uh-oh. We had varying opinions of Scoob. Uh, some good, some bad. I thought it was fun, and that's all it takes for me to like a movie. Uh, there was a lot of room for improvement, and that's our consensus. You want the more detailed version? Come back at the end. Uh, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, it's uh, we're going back to yeah, we're going back to the seventies, and by that I mean the fourteen seventies or the ten seventies. I don't know when this is supposed to take place. Uh, I think it's the fort. I think it's like this is the dark ages, right? So yeah, so probably like ten hundreds, eleven hundreds. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I, I've always had interesting concepts about the time setting of King Arthur, but we'll get into that when we get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick around, and we'll be right back after this short break. to our show. No. With only a touch, I have the power. Zim, zap, rim, bim, do without a flower. I find delight in the gruesome and grim. Oh, that's terrible. Thank you, my boy. But that's nothing, nothing for me. Oh, because I'm the magnificent, marvelous mad madam Mim. And welcome back again to Acme Podcast Incorporated. We're going to get into The Sword and the Stone from 1963 by Disney, distributed by Buena Vista. Uh, this was a favorite of mine from when I was a kid. Um, and here's the interesting thing. It's exactly as I remembered it. And that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah. usually I remember movies from when I was a kid, but I only remember parts of them. Mm-hmm. And, and then the rest of them, the things I don't remember kind of fill in the rest. I didn't forget a single thing from this movie and it was still as disjointed as how I remembered, say rock a doodle or cats don't dance. Yeah. Disjointed is a very good way to describe this film. That's how I would have described Rockadoodle, though. Well, we're not talking about that. Here's the thing. I I watched all of these movies around the same time when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it it was my cycle of I'd rent one, then the next, then the next, then the next. Mm. 
and I would just go in a circle of it, a loop. Um, so I do want to make a correction from earlier. What? You said going back to the 70s, this movie was released in 1963. I did say that at the head of this segment. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, I corrected myself. And uh, this was the last movie that was produced while Disney was alive. Yeah. Uh, Walt Disney himself. It was the last one he produced that he worked on before, you know, yeah. passing. Yep. Uh, or the last uh, animated film, I should say. Yeah. Because he, he worked on Mary. He worked on Mary Poppins, which came yeah, out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, sixty-three. That's a lot earlier than I thought. It's a really old movie. Yeah. And oh the- wait, no, sixty-four in the U.S. Uh, that is what you said at the top of the segment was 64. And then the next the, the next animated movie wouldn't come out until 67 and that was The Jungle Book. Yeah. It's funny that they wanted to step away from animation or maybe they just couldn't agree on something on what they wanted to attempt there, with it. There was a disagreement on whether they should do feature-length films anymore. Uh, uh, animated feature-length films. It wasn't helped by... I've been watching a lot of defunct land lately and basically pretty much everything after the animator strike was, uh, Walt stopped caring about animation. Yeah. <laughs> like that, as yeah. the animation strike happened, he started not caring about animation and dove headfirst into theme parks. Yeah. And then um, he felt betrayed because he thought of them as like his kids or whatever. I've, I've been watching defunct land too. And, and the, the, yeah. the, the whole Rocky era of this was not helped by Fucking Jeffrey Katzenberg and um yeah yeah freaking uh what's his name Michael Eisner yeah who they didn't take over right away after Walt but they took over after the person who took over after Walt did and yeah. this was they t- they were in charge of the latter half of the the quote unquote Silver Age slash Dark Age of Disney yeah. yeah to my understanding Katzenberg and I and um Eisner were more eighties Disney. 80s and yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah, they're they're more the later, the latter half of what people yeah. call the Dark Ages. They were around during like, you know, uh Great Mouse Detective and stuff yeah. like that. And they were of course yeah. around for the rena- the Renaissance. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um so yeah, that that that's I think enough background, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Um so Sword of the Stone is obviously about King Arthur. Yeah. Uh, and Merlin. Uh, playing with the uh, Arthurian legends a little bit. Uh, a little bit. We gotta little. stress this. A yeah. little bit. This is a, this is a follow-through that follows both of these films, is that they barely have anything to do with the actual Arthur legend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they just kind of take the names Arthur and Merlin, and then they go nuts. We, I mean, which I'm, I give sword, I give Sword in the Stone a pass on a little more because it takes place before Arthur pulls the sword from the stone. And yeah. to be fair, they never mentioned Camelot in Sword in the Stone. Yeah, no, they, they, they go to London. That was a benefit I was going to give to Camelot, a uh, quest for Camelot. They at least name check Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing there's only two, there's only three name checks in this film: Arthur, Merlin. And Sir Kay. That's it. Those are the only names. Sir Esther was also a name check. Two is a check? Sir Sir Esther. Oh, Esther, yeah. They're uh, yeah, name checks for the 
knights. Because Sir Kay was originally in the, the original film, the original story, a half-brother of Arthur. Which, yeah. you know, tracks with this version of him. Yeah. There is one thing that I'd like to just get out of the way before we dive into this fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I feel like one of you will probably bring up, so I just want to get to it first. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that uh, the fan art of the uh, the squirrel, the squirrel, the, squirrel, the, squirrel, yeah. the AU yep. where they make the squirrel a human also? Yes, and then they yeah. go on adventures together. Yeah, that would have been we a better movie. Brought it would have been a better movie when we were watching it together. Yep, sure did. Yeah, uh, I it, it had to be mentioned because it's. I think it's probably one of the most famous fan works at this point, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I wanted to go uh, back and find it again. It made more sense, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what if she she could just be Gwen? She just be Gwen? Yeah. Guinevere, yeah. I We talked about this film being disjointed. It's basically a bunch of shorts roughly tied together by a singular it's... plot thread. It feels like a sketch comedy movie a little bit, but without the comedy. <laughs> it felt well. It also kind of felt like some of the uh, other Disney movies that are just like a a clip show of other shorts. Yeah, yeah, like Fun and Fancy Free and whatnot. Yeah, uh, or like, Make Mine Music. Yeah. So like the there's like a loose plot structure of connected stories that are like not really tied together by a bigger plot even though they kind of should be yeah yeah also the sword and the stone gets mentioned in the beginning and it's like oh right the sword and the stone uh uh arthur pulls the sword from the stone uh movie over yeah the, this movie doesn't have an ending it has a brick wall yeah, yeah. it definitely felt like there sh- it didn't get finished no the, the this was clear you know it probably had something to do with the uh, the animators, the animation strike. Possibly. Usually, industry strikes like this result in a lot of disjointed and bad movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you think back to the early, okay, but that uh, was twenty years prior to this. The, the, oh, yeah, it was twenty years. Right. Okay. Yeah, nineteen forty-one. And then, but the right, but the writers' strike. I know what you were going to mention. Oh, yeah, the writers. I was going to mention the writer strike from the uh, late aughts and how we had that spate of horrible movies. Yeah. And horrible had, TV shows. That had no plots. And that also helped give rise to the uh, predominance of uh, reality TV show. I mean, reality TV show is already well past its rise, but it sort of helped cement it as we don't need writers. We can just fucking. Yeah, but. The animals. Yeah. And then. But the their, the the writers' beef was like, "Hey, we want to make money off of digital," and they were right to 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 do that because, oh, you know, oh, don't get me wrong, I am all with the writers' guild. Um, unlike South Park, yeah, I I just, it's a matter of fact, we had a bunch of bad movies and TV shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a matter uh, of fact. Yeah, uh, fucking Wolverine Origins. <laughs> The last couple of seasons of Heroes. Yeah. Lost. <laughs> Lost. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, okay. No, I've now figured out why. Thank you, Wikipedia. So, this movie started production all the way back in 1939. Ah. Um, and then, following, because that's when Walt purchased the film rights to Sword in the Stone from T.H. White. 
uh, his, the books, the sword and the stone. Yeah. Uh, but World War II happened. The um, the a bunch of a bunch of were turned into a propaganda machine. Um, yeah. Then 1944 came around. The successful re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves allowed Disney to assign writers uh, to Sword in the Stone along with Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and then it would keep being announced as active throughout the 40s and the 50s. Which would explain its disjointed nature. Yes. Yeah. So. So it's is... just it's it's a, one of the early examples of animated films have a tendency to get through uh, development hell. Yeah. Now that we said our negatives, what do we like about this movie? It looks nice. It does it's, look nice. I, I really like I really like the character design of almost every character. I mean, Archimedes is just owl from. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh. I mean, like, yeah, they, they just have that one. But I, I like uh, Madame Mim. I love Merlin's design. Merlin, it, Merlin's character design and his specific character animation are the best in the film. Yeah, I love his hair. I don't know why. It's just like it's my favorite animated hairstyle. It's so I, simple and it's just fun. What I also liked was every human character had very exaggerated designs yeah so like he had wart was tiny like his he's basically wigs yeah. stuck together but then you have merlin who's like basically 50 percent beard you have sir actor who's a giant circle you have yeah. sir k who is he's supposed to be like the poster child of a knight and he kind of is he's yeah. big Got he's v-shaped big chin but he big chin, but he's still young, so he's not like as V shaped as you'd expect. You have like the other knight who's like real old and polar opposite to Director. This thin thing with like no chin at all. He looks like and a broom. Do... Yeah. Because of his mustache. Yeah. yeah, and then you get to um London, and then like the main knight is the one who looks like Sir Kay would probably look like in the future, is he's like actually V shaped and he's got like the black hair and the like prominent beard. Let the boy uh, try, says the big I, knight. Yeah, yeah then, that guy, his name is Black Bart, and he's voiced by Thurl Ravenscroft, which is the coolest name in the world! That is a cool name. the name of the villain from uh, which... It's the name of a pirate. Yeah, Black Bart's a pretty common fictional I was name. Ravencroft. Oh. Oh, that's the villain from... Yeah. That's the, that's the villain yeah. from Witch's Ghost, yeah. Yeah. Voiced by uh, Tim Curry. But even, like, Madame Mim also, like, she's got her two extremes of she's either this horrible gremlin lady or she for a minute is like the most exaggerated lady that's ever existed and that's like the thing with everyone in this movie is these exaggerated character designs that i really enjoyed yeah hey, sorry uh you know who else thurl ravenscroft voiced who, who? i am weasel Oh, oh, yeah. it does. Huh. Yeah, I see it now. Huh. I, He's I also uh, Kirby in Brave Little Toaster. He was also huh. um, he also played Paul Bunyan in the Disney short. Yeah. Oh, huh. but um, what I was going to say was, is that um, Merlin specifically his he has a it's such a simple Merlin design. Yeah, but like it. It's the animation and the way they he he's has a lot of like energy and the way he moves and his little mannerisms like he 
I like how he like fixes, adjusts his glasses and his beard a lot, mm-hmm. and um, that's in no small part to the fact that he his main, the animator that was uh, assigned to him essentially was Milt Call, who was one mm-hmm. of the the original nine old men. Yeah. Um, this movie also. I think we talked about this when we watched it, KP, but this movie would have been way better if it was a Bambi situation. No, you're right. Sorry. I just want to circle back real quick before we get to that point. Uh, okay. He also saying you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. Wild. Yeah. He has a nice voice. Yeah, but uh, back to this. Yeah, I definitely got to the end and thought, this really should have been like Bambi, where he sees a kid for half of it, and then adult yeah, the, for half the, the midpoint is the drawing of the sword. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even need to be like a fully King Arthur. Like, I would have been fine if he's like, here's like teenage or young adult King Arthur, and here are uh, him meeting some of the Round Table, and, and then we could, Guinevere. and then the ending, the ending could have been adult Arthur. Yeah, or uh, the ending could have been like them sitting down to the round table for like I don't know the first time and going, okay, let's found this is marks the beginning of Camelot. Yeah, end of movie. And the the and the you still could have had the Madame M climax, and it could have been Merlin and Arthur teaming up to defeat her because it was all about Merlin, Merlin's lessons coming to a head with Arthur trying to defeat yeah. the sorcerer who is on the level of Merlin. Yeah, you know, or like you could have using... kept that as the climax of the first half, and then the climax of the second half is Morgan Le Fay, who turns yeah. out is the person who taught Madame Mim. Or yeah. she was she was taught by Madame Mim, so it would be sort of a generational thing where it's like you have Merlin who taught Arthur, and Madame Mim taught Morgan yeah. Le Fay. Yeah. Which would have also been nice. And then the final shot, of course, and you, you get the final shot of with all the other knights, and you know, Oh, Arthur. What what's that one character from Arthurian legend? He has like the evil version of Excalibur. He's Morgan Le Fay's son. He has an Mordred. 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 I think Mordred would have been cool to have in here. Mordred is is Arthur's son, also. That's right. Would have made it complicated. Yes. It would have made it very complicated because we'd have to dance around the incest thing. Well. Oh. Yeah, Morgan Le Fay is Arthur's half sister. Oh, fuck, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the legends do, buddy. <laughs> yeah. They could have uh, just left the fact that she's his half sister out. They could have played with so much of the 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 concepts. Oh yeah, no, they could have. Yeah, like super... I would have thought it. I feel like just making it, yeah, Morgan Le Fay, who was taught by Madame Mim, would have probably been a cleaner yeah you know? like clean. getting into mortred would like start getting well because mortred is the end of the arthur legend yeah yeah and he's not we're not there yet but like having like here's morgan lefay top by madame mim and now uh she and arthur fight for a bit i know yeah. how they could have done it i know how they could have done it hmm. no? she was another one of the wards under sir eckert oh Mm. Yeah. And whereas uh, Arthur found Merlin, she finds Mim. Oh, there's a personal stake there. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And maybe have like a scene towards the beginning where like 
uh she runs away or like they mention like you're not the f- you wouldn't be the first ward to want run away into that forest yeah yeah or something or other yeah that'd be interesting honestly sure. it'd literally be as easy as k to say you wouldn't be the first ward you wouldn't be the first uh squire to get lost in that forest and it would yeah. also create a personal connection between the two of them because they were raised in the same household. They shared no blood. They probably didn't even act as siblings, but they could still be referred to in that way. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. Like, they could have had nothing to do with each other, except maybe a couple chores overlapped. Yeah, Yeah. but, you know. But the fact that they had the same adoptive father, not that I'm pushing for that, but to satisfy the mythos. Fair enough. I don't know. Yeah. I still say it's cleaner to just do Morgan Le Fay if we were going to add in a new climax than to yeah. deal with Mordred. It, you know. yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I agree. But I, I just kind of like Mordred. Um, yeah, that's fair. I think it'd be cool to see it. Maybe like a, lot a of sequel. people like fate Mordred. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's great. He's also trans. He is great and trans. An audience, listen. We don't Fate. care. Yeah. Fate. 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 Sorry. Um, you can go on. <laughs> no, but Marja is good. <laughs> like you Fate. had a rage blackout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the. I I I wasn't happy that our conversation about um, Wukong. Oh, and all and that, then, that turned into fate. And then listen, we're talking about King Arthur. It, it's, it's yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The yeah. King, Wukong getting there. I, I got to admit, I didn't expect it to go there either. Mm-hmm. But you but were anyway. the one who brought up Arjuna. Yeah. Yeah, I did. But anyway, do we have anything else to say about Sword and Stone? Uh, um, I like it for the same reasons I liked it as a kid. Yeah, because it's exactly how I remember it as a kid. <laughs> and as an adult, I dislike it for the reasons that I re- it exi- exists as I remembered it. <laughs> I remember also when we got when I, I was watch um I was watching this movie going, I think I only saw it like once, so I don't remember all of it. And I was incorrect. I remembered like 80 percent of it. Yeah. That that's what I was saying. Like usually, like, I, I remember the parts. Yeah, Sorry. I remembered the fish bit. I remembered the bird bit. I remembered the Madame Mim fight. I remember the squirrel bit. Um, Everything. And I remember Everything. the end. Oh, I have one more thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. I love the wolf design. Just that that yeah. scrawny, like wily coyote, almost wolf. Mm-hmm. I just like that. I just like that. I really like the fight with Madame M a lot. That was really fun, yeah. I also liked how Merlin was a time traveler. <laughs> that was Yeah, really before Genie. Yeah. And send me to Bermuda. God. Yeah. It's it was it's a fun it movie. It was blow me to Bermuda. Blow me to Bermuda. Yeah. It it was a fun movie, but I do think again the main thing it suffers from is there's not as much of it as you would think. Yeah, yeah. There's, the, there's, the plot is non-existent. Especially for a movie that was in production for almost 30 years. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why it's like that. <laughs> on the one hand, it's why it's like. On the other hand, like my brain goes, so, so that's a long time. They should have had plenty of time to make a lot of movie. No, because at that point you come to the problem of too many cooks. Yeah. Too, too many, many cooks, cooks spoil the broth. Yeah, it it gets cooks. it gets passed around the studio too many times. Yeah. Yep. But uh, and anyway. with the amount of time it takes to animate a scene, they like, well, we don't want to ditch that footage. We'll just make it work. We'll just make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's Sword in the Stone. Um, we're gonna take another break, and when we come back, uh, Quest for Camelot, or as I like to call it, well, you know what? No, I'll, I'll save that for when we get to it. Uh, let's take a break, and uh, Quest for Camelot. See you then. Show it back on. Let darkness find its sad ways. Let's go back to good old bad days. No more foolish acts of kindness. Arthur and his kingdom will be mine. And welcome back for the second to last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Uh, and we're up now for 1998's Quest for Camelot, uh, rated G, hour 26 minutes, uh, released 15th of May, 1998 in the U.S. I don't know about international. Uh, Made by Warner Brothers Animation. Warner Animation, yes, Warner Brothers Animation. Um, directed by Frederick Duchow. Uh... Based on a novel by Vera Chapman. Uh, screenplay by Kirk D'Amico. Or Micho. And there's some other people. Uh, it's got Carrie Elway's in it. Uh, it's, got Gary, it's got Gary Oldman in it. Yeah. Gary Oldman delivers a pretty good performance in this, I gotta say. I, honestly, he's kind, of the, he's kind of my favorite part of the movie. See, his character design is my least favorite. And the fact that he's not Mordred <laughs> um, is also my least favorite. Uh, right, but I'm... sorry, go on. I know I was looking at you mentioned Kirk Demetrio, so I decided to look up his filmography. And based on the quality of this movie, I'm not shocked to see that he also wrote Racing Stripes, yeah, uh, Casper Scare School, Base Chimps. Uh, and I guess he has a new movie coming out called where he directed called Vivo. The one that actually shocked me was The Crudes, though. Huh. Yeah. Can we do The Is Crudes that... and Ice Age? We, I, mm. <laughs> we already talked about how I wanted to do um, I, Ice Age Land with Before the... Time with Land Ice Before... Age. Yeah, fair. That's fair. We Just can do The Crudes or something else. Anyway, yeah. back to Quest yeah. for Camelot. You know what? Hmm. Crudes and primal. Ah! Uh, <laughs> I wanted to. We we wanted to do that with the Gendy Tarkovsky Star Wars show. Yeah, no, 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 I'm I'm joking. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But anyway, Quest for Camelot. Uh, yeah. Quest for Camelot. Um, yeah, Gary Oldman 
probably delivers one of the best performances in this. Uh, Eric Idle and Don Rickles also do a bang-up job. Gary Oldman is really fucking hamming it up, and I really love it. Yeah. I can see him, like, every time Ruber smiles, I can literally see the scenery stuck in his teeth. Yeah. I love his, his like, his, like, eye twitch. Yeah. It's, it's such a subtle, like, character animation thing that I actually really enjoy. I hate his design. I love it. It it it's like the worst parts of that like ugly nineties like gross out stuff, mm-hmm. which I usually am a sucker for. But I just yeah I don't know. Also, rumor my guy, please for the love of God, get a manicure. Yeah, I really, really wanted to make you see how nasty his fingernails were. I I love the opening scene where they're going to Camelot and like they're all the knights are walking by and I'm like, can you spot the villain? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell who the villain is? Hey kids, like, can you spot the villain in this scene? Like Dora the Explorer just comes up from the corner and just is like, just like Swiper knows swiping. <laughs> he Rooper, don't steal the Excalibur. <laughs> So blatant, yeah. Uh, so so let's let's get into actually what this movie is. Uh, this is during the high age of King Arthur, whereas the last one was him becoming king. He has Excalibur. Camelot is thriving. The knights round have table. the round table and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his knights, whose name I can't remember, uh, Lionel, Sir, Sir Lionel. Lionel. Uh, has a wife and daughter, a wife named Juliana, Lady Juliana, and a daughter named Kaylee. Uh, and the story is about Kaylee, uh, who desperately wants to be a knight and not a lady. Uh, okay. Lady with a capital L, not lady as a term for a woman. Um, okay, I want to point out Kaylee. Yeah, could have they been of more been more blatant with how she looks like Belle? Yeah, she really looks like Belle, but I really think they were going more for Mulan in this. Yeah, they failed. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's some things I like about this movie, but Kaylee isn't one of them. No. She... Mm-hmm. No, she go on, KP. You have... Main... Okay. K- KP, KP, you have strong feelings. Let me just get my thing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you get your thing. She has a personality, but not enough. She doesn't have enough character to be the main character. Yeah. KP, go off. I would argue she has zero personality because she doesn't do anything. She doesn't. She barely gets to say anything that isn't just let me tell you what I'm doing here and why. And none of it's about her. It's all about her dad, which she barely had a relationship with because she spoke two lines to him as a child. We don't know what her memory of her dad's even like because like she has less of a connection to him than garrett does yeah Yeah. garrett garrett has garrett has more of a talks more about her her fucking dad than she does her song record is not good she her song is also i am following in my dad's footsteps which like great cool for you why (laughs) 
it's also why is like, that a thing you want to do? Give me like any reason. It's also the I the Disney I want song. This movie wants so yeah. bad to be Disney. Like it wants so bad to get the Disney money from this yeah. era. Big because, Disney like, money. I remember the very beginning of this movie going, This looks like Pride Rock, but also like the cliff from uh, the Little Mermaid, and then we get to Kaylee's song, and she does the Mulan uh, reflection in the water thing. She is on the rock with like water sloping up because she also wanted to be Ariel from yeah. Little Mermaid. She already looks like Belle, and she's doing like the going through the farmhouse thing, which both Belle and Mulan do. Yep. She, and this is a uh, predates this, but she also looks a lot like Anastasia. Yeah. 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 But like that's she's a combination of a whole bunch of other wait, characters. Wait, 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 have... wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. By how much does this predate Anastasia? I thought Anastasia one year. One year. One year. One year. Okay. One year. Okay. Anastasia came out in ninety nine. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Uh, she's an amalgamation of a lot of characters who ironically all had strong personalities, but she doesn't do anything. She has about as much personality if... as a she has about as much personality as a bowl of porridge. Literally, if you took her out of this movie, not a single goddamn thing would change. Nope. And she barely, like, they keep, tr- they make token attempts at her trying to get to do something, and then she's either saved by another character, or, like, is comes off as completely incompetent and annoying, which makes Garrett's whole snarky comments about, oh, you're supposed to feel bad for Kaylee when Garrett makes those comments. Like, no, he's completely right to make those. Especially because Garrett has an actual personality and an actual reason, an actual reason to care. Well, he doesn't actually have a reason to care about the sword, but he, I guess he does anyway. He has a better connection to Lionel. He comes from Camelot. He has a reason to care about. Well, he uh, they don't explain why he wants to be a hermit very well, and the fact that he doesn't want to take part in in Camelot society made me oh, yeah, at the very end first time yeah. viewer go why why does he care about this again if he's a hermit that doesn't want to participate in society well because he thought there was nothing left for him there when he lost his eyesight and then Lionel died Lionel was his advocate yeah yeah i i get i and get then it and then there was no advocate anymore no one there to help him learn to be a knight he felt I, I like there's get nothing the there for him right? It's a through line that we have to conjecture. <laughs> it's it not is, conjecture. It's not conjecture. I disagree with you. It's an inference. It's what they want you to infer. It's I their guess. show, not tell. I did. I, yeah, hey, I, I'm, I'm not with you on this listen, one, if this, was, if this movie didn't do a whole lot of telling instead of showing, I'd be with you. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this movie does a whole lot of telling instead of showing. Like, telling us Kaylee w- cares a whole lot about her dad. Telling us Kaylee wants the sword so that she can be accepted as a knight. Telling us that she's been knighted at the end, despite having done nothing. Well, you see, I agree with you on that. But the reason is that they never fleshed out Kaylee. They fleshed out Garrett so they can show rather than tell with Garrett. But they yeah, didn't put in the groundwork for Kaylee, so they have you to know tell. I, I get. I guess what I, the better way to word what I'm saying is, I get that that's the through line they're going for. It doesn't. It didn't could make have a lot of sense done. to me though, because of better. how strongly the beginning of the movie went 
we loved Sir Lionel so much, we will do literally anything for his family. They stress that point very hard with the, the gates of Camelot are always open to you, to the yeah. point where Ruber sneaks into the palace with Kaylee's mom, was his whole evil plan. Because, yeah. like, they are unquestioningly loyal to this family. So, like, why is it that when Lionel basically adopted this blind squire boy, he's they don't also take him? Mm. It felt like a weird, a weird disconnect that could have been better handled. Were there something else to hold on to he in this did movie? It. He did it. Okay. And I get that that's a lot for the runtime okay. of this movie. I just saying this the movie has I've a lot got, of plot <laughs> I've got a counter for that too. And I think this comes down more to lazy writing. Oh, like the rest of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um Knights are mounted warriors. Mm -hmm. Their horse is as much a part of their kit as their armor and their sword. Mm-hmm. So it's not unreasonable for a knight to spend a lot of time with a stable boy who takes care of their horse. Because knights have to be very particular about their horse. Yes. So all the knights probably spent a lot of time with Garrett at some point or another. Except probably Ruber, who's just like, just Ruber. It's not in his personality. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for them to see Garrett with I mean, Lionel with Garrett isn't so much, uh, oh, he's taking this boy in. It's just he's a knight and a stable boy. They Their jobs overlap. I don't think it's a jump. I don't think it's such a leap for them to not realize the connection between Garrett and Lionel. I, I don't think it's a leap. I think it's, but it's something that... Also, in general... Uh, societies in general don't have as much respect for adoptive relationships. I mean, I guess. I th I think we can come to consensus that while that through line is, it, it you can see it. It could have been done better. Yeah, I'm like, telling you, as someone who is adopted, the amount of times I've been asked, "Don't you miss your real parents?" Oh, yikes! Uh, yeah, no. The fact Eesh. that they didn't recognize. Lionel and Garrett's relationship is really not surprising. I no, but it's a movie that really didn't want to address the unprogressive parts of Camelot society otherwise. You see, that's like, not even a progressive that that's not an issue of progressive or non-progressive. It's just it, not part of the societal norm. It's not even a thing people think about. That's fair. You yeah. know what? That's fair. I'm just seeing like the way the movie also tried to ignore. No one said to Kaylee, it's unreasonable for you to want to be a knight because you're a woman. They all said, Listen, you'll find your place in Camelot eventually. Yeah. End of sentence. They didn't want to address that plot line despite this wanting to be Mulan a whole lot. Yeah. So um, like it was a weird, weird choice for them to already start like not addressing the social issues. But also picking and choosing which ones they wanted to. It was. It's one of the many inconsistent things about this movie. I yeah. feel like we should bring in a positive now. Uh, my favorite thing uh, about this movie. Yeah. I lo I love all the designs for the magical creatures and the the forest. Yeah. 
Uh, Blade Beak is really fun, but I really, really, really liked Cornwall and Devon. <sighs> oh, we could not. I, God, we. Mm. Okay, uh, I guess this just comes down to I like Eric Idle and Don Rickles. Should okay, I not? Fair. No, you're no. That's no, fair. That's not it. It's. I think they would have been fine in a different movie. Also, okay. they have the worst song. Yeah, they really do. They have the worst song, and their existence is actively, actively stealing screen time from anyone that matters to the plot. Yeah, they no, have a better character right. arc than Kaylee does. Yeah, literally, yes. Yeah. They have one. Yeah. And like, listen, I I wanted to like Kaylee. I went in going, oh, I want to like her. She's like the lady main character. She's got this whole thing with her dad that could mm. develop into something neat. There was and something there. Didn't. That I actually got told, no, there wasn't anything there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the Griffin a lot. The Griff I was surprised by the Griffin voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I've seen this movie like four times, it always it's the one thing I always forget. I will say my favorite thing about the movie actually is their dedication. Whoever did like the costume design for the character for the human characters and like the environmental design for like the like civilized areas yeah. was very dedicated to the this is not medieval. This is way older. This is a very it, Arthur is a very would have been a much different time period than like the standard idea of Arthur. This actually comes up to something that I was talking about before we went into quest for Camelot. Mm-hmm. I have a very specific picture of what time the Arthurian legends take place in. And it's in that like weird mythical era that no one really knows for sure where it is, but it kind of mirrors medieval period. And it's the same period that like Conan the Barbarian takes place in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it's like pre, it's almost like prehistoric, like a different human society on earth mm. that then goes into the Greco Roman stuff. I think it goes back around to that. Sorry. I think he more talking about like pre medieval times where it was like. We're, um, we're bridging a gap from like Greco Roman to medieval. That's yeah, like and the, the through line I got with like where we are in Quest for Camelot. It okay, comes but, off. It comes off as like Beowulf times, honestly. But like, those were the medieval times. No, they weren't. Yes. No, they weren't. The medieval period starts with the fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. Okay, or an early medieval, the early medieval period where most people think of King Arthur in legends being late medieval to Renaissance. Yeah, when they had pl- full okay. plate armor and shit. Yeah, yeah, that's because like they went, most people think of like they have like full stone masoned castles. They have plate armor. They have full metallurgy. They have banners and like, Proud yeah. and bold. This they went. No, we're working with something closer to Stonehenge. Yeah, and also Camelot is the only place it's like that. Yeah, they, like, they were. It was a big deal that Camelot had like an actual like big old setting because everything else was like very rough stonework. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I liked that actually a lot of them going. No, we're going for a very early medieval time period. We're not doing okay. the standard thing, which was wild with how 
standard and uninspired the writing of the movie was. Yeah. Like they whoever they got to do like the environment design and the clothing design was putting way more effort into this movie than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I also like the dragons. The not Cornwall and Devon, but like the the big dragons. dragons. Yeah, the proper dragons. I actually really love that scene where they're the Ruber and the guys get cornered by the dragons. Ruber just tosses aside sword and just fucking punches the dragon. Yeah. That was actually really great. I appreciate that. Um, um also KP mentioned this and it was it was like he was right on the money when he said this. But um Lady Juliana's song is big Oscar bait yeah. song. Oscar mm. made it to the point where instead of using uh the the act actress for her singing voice was Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the big hang on. Uh, it's it's the big Oscar bait song, but the thing the the thing about it is it's not a bad song. It's just the scene that it's playing over does not match the song. Yeah, at all. And it was immediately preceded by a song and immediately followed by a song. Oh yeah, the pacing of the songs are, is terrible. They just they keep happening. Yeah, they keep happening for a while, then they stop happening except for one sad reprise. Yeah, yep. basically after. Cornwall and Devon's song, there's no other song except for that brief reprise of yeah. um uh uh Garrett's song. Yeah. And none of the songs are good. I actually like Garrett's song. It it has Fine. some interesting things, but I, I wouldn't don't I wouldn't call it like bad. Perform. I wouldn't call it good because every song in this movie is the most forgettable. Yeah. I cannot get tell you the memory of not me- the melody of any of these songs except maybe uh i stand alone maybe i forgot this movie had songs and i've watched it four times that tells you a lot doesn't it they're the yeah. most forgettable songs in a movie trying so hard to be disney yeah speaking of music hey laser did you notice the uh the particular musical clip they used when uh, Devin and Carwall saved the the Falcon. God. Yeah. <laughs> they straight up just used the Superman theme. I mean, I guess it is Warner. Oh, yeah, it's man. Warner Brothers. It, they they get away with it because Warner oh, Brothers will let them use. Ruber straight up his potion has acne written on it for God's sake. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, that, never. Which is he? We get a throwaway line about how he bought it from some witches, and it's never further explained upon. Other than that. Okay, here's the thing with the potion that bugged me the whole movie. I like, actually really like the magic effect of the potion itself in the green smoke. But oh, every yeah, it time great. I'm like, are you sure this predates Anastasia? This is just Anastasia's magic effects. <laughs> I mean, these movies are probably being made at the exact same time. Yeah, yeah, they just stole the smoke animator from Anastasia for a yeah. minute. They're like, hey, you're real good at smoke and you like the color green. We need you. Yeah. Uh, before we get any further, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Elways was Garrett. Carrie Elways was also Robin Hood and Robin Hood Men in Tights, and uh, Wesley in uh, Princess Bride. It's appropriate casting. 
Yeah, and uh, it it's not his best performance, but it's definitely, I think, one of the better performances in the well, movie. Yeah, I think Gary Oldman is kind of the best performance. Yeah, no, no, no. Gary Cole Oldman is the best performance, but after him, probably Carrie. We we also have to mention that Blade Beak is voiced by Julia White. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. Um, Lady Juliana is voiced by Jane Seymour, which, I mean, some of you, depending on who's listening, might know her from uh, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, as Dr. Quinn. Oh, neat. Uh, and she was also in uh, Live and Let Die, the uh, James Bond movie from 1973. <laughs> she played Solitaire. Huh. Uh, she, she's been in a lot. She's had a long career. Um, yeah, she's still doing stuff too. Yeah. Uh, okay, P. I know you also had some choice words about the the ending. God. Oh, one other voice thing. Uh, yeah. Pierce yeah. Brosnan is King Arthur, which is very weird casting. That is weird. That's super uh, weird. Although King I Arthur is barely in this. Yeah, I I don't see James Bond and King Arthur being the same type. No. Uh, no. Uh, so anyway, uh, once more, KP, take it away with your strong feelings. Okay, the very end of this movie is the mo- world's most blatant and unnecessary deus ex machina I've ever witnessed in the history of film and television. Yep. Like, literally, no one does anything different. All that happened, and it's not even Kaylee. It's Kaylee mirroring the words of Garrett. They're not even doing anything. They're just dodging at the right time because they happen to be in the right spot for Kaylee to notice. Oh, this rock, this rock is magic. I guess she doesn't even know it's the rock that the sword's supposed to go in. Why if, would she? She's never if, been to Camelot. Yeah. If she had, well, I mean, everyone knows the myth and I'm sure everyone knows the myth. And she, and if they had given us, I don't know, maybe slightly more of a second for her to look at the sword and the stone and like recognize it. And, and then have her and Garrett properly kite him to that spot. It would have made mm-hmm. more sense. Yeah. But instead, they're standing there and she's like, uh, face your, she mirrors the thing, face your fears, move at the last possible second. Yeah. And then the sword goes on the stone and suddenly every problem is fixed, including the dragons. Devin and then and they get back together. Well, then they which, fuse like, back together. They fuse back together because they decided it wasn't actually what they wanted. But yeah. like, then what was the point of having the Deus Ex Machina do the thing? I think just for the joke. Yeah. I guess. Also, and okay. Like, KP. It wasn't... Go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll I'll say my thing later. No, you go. I was just gonna say, you know what would have made it worse? Oh no. It cured Garrett's blindness. Yeah, I that almost expected it. Honestly, that would have been so much worse. Yeah, I would have hated that because it would have yep. completely annihilated the entire message of his character. Yeah, I mean, they Absolutely. almost totally annihilated the message of the dragons <laughs> by splitting, almost. letting them split up at all. Yeah, yep. but anyway, and. <sighs> It's just literally nothing about the ending made any sense for anyone's character development in the entire movie. And I use the word character development in the loosest sense that has ever been stated. (laughs) As much as anyone in this movie is a character or could have been developed, it undermines all of it because it's just... They dodged at the right time for Ruber to be stupid and 
plunge the sword back in the stone, which he can't release because he's not Arthur. And then suddenly he's blown up by heaven or something. Something I, that's not also not explained or makes any sense. Here, okay. It's a clever solution. It just could have been executed better. If it, Okay. It would have been a clever solution if, A, it didn't have the divine intervention at the end. Like, if it was, mm. now we, that we've stuck him in the stone, we can fix the problem. Yeah. Like, if it was part of a larger solution, it would have been clever. But it wasn't. And also, we needed that moment, that ladybug moment, if you've seen Miraculous Ladybug, where where we get to see, or like Psych, where we see... Um, the gears turning. Kaylee actually, like, look at the environment, look at what's going on, make connections, and then exit out of her brain space to, like, have her finish the plan. Which yep. would have required setting up her of having any skill at all and being an observational person. Yeah. Which could have been set up throughout the, the entirety of the film. In fact, if it, she had had any personality. And in fact, it actively, it actively shows you that Kaylee isn't observant because Garrett there's a scene where she's just walking through the forest willy-nilly and Garrett's just behind her, stopping her from getting eaten. Garrett, a man who physically cannot see, is more observant than Kaylee. Yes. That is the joke, yes. That is the joke. There's a there's a blind leading the blind joke here, but... I feel like that might be insensitive. Yeah. I think my thing borders on insensitive. <laughs> Yeah. The, the point being, the ending could have been in a better movie, could have been part of a larger, more satisfying conclusion. This is not yeah. that movie. Hmm. I, I. And here, okay, here's another thing I want to say right now because I was looking at the plot of the book this is based on. Mm -hmm. This movie, in case anyone noticed, only barely passes the Bechtel test and only because of the mom mentioning the thing about her wanting to be a lady. Oh, that God. Only seen this passes the Bechtel test. The original movie, now the original book was actually about uh, um, uh, Kaylee's original character, who was Lizette, saving her sister. Oh. I would I could read this book now. Yeah, that, that sounds more interesting. Give me a second. Let me pull it up again. The King's Damozelle, um, by uh, Vera Chapman. It was oh, uh, Lynette, Lynette of Arthurian legend as she saves her sister Leone from the Red Knight. Oh, oh, neat. I kind of want to. And it begins with uh, her and her sister uh, talking about their wedding to, about their wedding and their honeymoons. But also oh. like, who they are as people, what they want, and Lynette going eventually, you know, rescuing her sister. Interesting. <laughs> Neat. Uh, I've got one other little interesting thing to say. Uh, yeah. The voice of the voice of Merlin. Uh, sorry, uh, Sir John G Gilgood. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, was the voice of King Arthur. In Dragonheart. Huh. <laughs> Neat. He also played someone named King Constant in a TV miniseries from 98 called Merlin. Which ah. I'm pretty sure has no relation to the, the BBC TV series. Most likely. Sorry, I'm reading the book again. This was... I don't know why they didn't just make the book. 
There's a scene yeah. where she beheads uh, a man who was terrible to her when she was a child. Sick. And is haunted by his ghost later. That sounds she... <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, she apparently acts so bravely and gracefully throughout the whole thing that she manages to earn the respect of Lance a lot. I want to read this fucking book. She had a great. whole thing okay. where uh, the the it starts with their wedding because it's like a flashback thing where apparently it starts similar to the um part of this movie where Ruber shows up at um their their town because mm-hmm. after her father's Lionel's um death in the movie he could get in because there were no like male figureheads in their little town. Similar thing, the Red Knight manages to break into their home because there aren't any, like, men there and holds the household hostage until the older sister agrees to marry him. So she disguises herself as a servant boy and escapes all the way to King Arthur to get his help. And that's where she meets Gareth, who she thinks is a kitchen boy. This movie sounds way... This book sounds way more interesting than this fucking movie. What's the whole... What's the book's title again? The King's Damozel, also known as The King's Damsel, by Vera okay. Chapman. It's part of a trilogy. Here's the oh. thing. As long as the book's not called Quest for Camelot, they can still adapt this. They oh, absolutely. Can. I don't want it to be Warner Brothers now, though, because they blew it. They've done yeah. it. They They're out. Um, I would like to see Sony oh. animation. Important thing here. Uh, all the characters that actually got time <laughs> time in this movie see Devin and Cornwall, Bladebeak, the Griffin. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in the book at all. Yeah. No, no surprise there. No reference. Yeah. There is one thing, subtle thing I did like that I want to mention. There's a when you first meet Garrett, I love that he is has a sense of humor about being blind. <laughs> it like like. You're hot, you're falcon. He has silver wings. He goes, really? Hmm. I'll take your word for it. it. It's got that tough uh, feel yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, tough. Like a, li- a little tough, prototypical. Yeah, prototypical tough. I mean, they're both hermits. Yeah. Although tough becomes more Yoda than anything by Encore, yeah. really. Um, I but... know that's a thing I've seen reference. I saw a post a while back and. To the future, to any listeners, I already know I'm talking out of my ass. Don't worry. I saw a post a while back that was about how to write uh, characters who are amputees in fiction. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about the one, and it was written by an, uh, an amputee who had a, a the congenital style of amputee where like one of their arms is kind of never grew mm-hmm. uh, fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one thing that they were saying was the one thing that a lot of media about amputees until very recently got wrong was the lack of jokes from the person with the thing. Yeah. The lack of like, uh, you need a hand there? I don't know, I wouldn't have one. <laughs> or it said not to stick my hand in the blender. Ah th- those jokes, which I see a lot now, but like yeah. Yeah. there's that one that was yeah. like the that was the running theme of that whole thing was them going, that's the main thing we need to add here is the jokes. It's a big thing in human psychology where humor is a coping method. It, yeah. it, just, it lets us process our issues. It's why so many people, young people nowadays are given to, well, you know what? People like to make it like it's uh, just this generation, but 
deprecate self-deprecating humor has always been an outlet for people. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, yeah. Uh, just like, I mean, like depression humor, which is a big thing for the last yeah. 20 years. Like I, I, I know he's not the best example, but it's a different style of self-deprecating, but fucking Rodney Dangerfield, the <laughs> no respect is still yeah. in the realm of self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's not really, but yeah, it, it's, it's human coping. It, humor is how people cope with situations. And I feel like the other part of it is just that there are certain jokes that they can just, they have the opportunity to make that now. Yeah. yeah. Like the, uh, like if so, there's someone shaking their hand and they let them take the prosthetic off, they're like, Oh my God, how'd you do that? Like that, that's a thing that they now have. Yeah. Yeah. That they like, can just do. I'm reminded of that one comedian. He had a prosthetic leg and he told this joke about how he would, uh, sneak sodas into theaters by a like, <laughs> he would keep his leg hidden in his backpack and then he'd have like a, a two liter like he'd like tie it up like a sausage inside of his pant leg and then have it swinging there. And, and it was, and then, and, and there's like, they could never call me out. What are they going to do? What is this fucking security guy come to me? Hey, your leg's a little weird. What is he going to do? Is he going to point it out? No, he's never going to say anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As uh, someone who works in a movie theater. Yeah. We would say nothing. <laughs> I don't get paid enough to say anything. No, I but I mean, anything <laughs> as it is. Even if he wasn't, even if he were paid enough, he wouldn't say anything. No, no, never. Mm-hmm. And that's no. the joke. But it, I, it, the Garrett Blind thing, I, I really like when they tried to do the romance with him and Kaylee, which was very forced and bad. Um, yeah. when 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 she's like pressed up against him and she's looking up at him, he's still just staring straight ahead. Yep, which is a, a thing that. Like, like it, they didn't. That's an amount of detail that I kind of appreciate. Yeah. When when you don't rely on your eyes, you, you're not or, looking in the direction of people. Maybe I will say I actually important. I I don't know enough about being blind. I, I don't know. Similar, okay, similar to that. I have mm-hmm. many feelings about this, but the other Oscar bait song. In oh yeah, movie was their love song. The and love the song. The only thing I liked about that was how we cut from him. Final, actually placing a hand on Kaylee's face as he's like being bandaged up, and then we mm. cut to like this misty imagery that like slowly reveals her face as his hand like feels around her face, mm-hmm. and it's like this whole symbolic thing of he is finally like seeing what she looks like because he a he has an opportunity now, b he cares to now. Now yeah. the fact that their relationship has been uh, about a day long and they don't he hasn't shown any ability to like like her as a anything at this point. Yeah. It, it's it's contrived that, and it's uh, uh, but I like fresh. the visual. I like the visual of that bit. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. a cool visual. It's and it's a well choreographed scene in a bad forced romance. Yeah. Bad forced romance that like to be fair, is one of the few bits from the novel they adapted. Uh, <laughs> the fact that because Garrett is based on Gareth from the novel, Lynette uh, Kaylee's based on Lynette from the novel. They both are getting married at the beginning before it flashes back. Oh, oh. so like they are one of the few things they did adapt from the novel is that they're in love. 
Unfortunately, they kind of forgot to sh- make us care that they were in love. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have anything other to say other than one little fun trivia thing that I thought was neat. Okay. And this is a this is a thing coming from an animal nerd. Mm-hmm. The silver winged falcon is an actual falcon, a species of falcon that exists, and it's called a merlin. Oh, which is why they made his familiar a falcon with silver wings, which I thought was neat. Does it live in England? <laughs> I don't think it does, but I just thought <laughs> that's that fine. Listen, I just I think mean, that's Merlin neat. already sees into the future. He's a magic. Yeah, that's the least of my concerns with this movie. <laughs> yeah, you you could give Merlin any sort of contrivance. It's fucking Merlin. Greatest okay, another before we leave Quest for Camelot, I will say I still don't understand why the Falcon was pulling double duty as both Garrett's Garrett's companion and Merlin's familiar. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because like he's got to be full time with both of them, and that physically isn't possible because yeah. they're across the world from. But Matt, but K, but KP, magic. Well, they're magic, but also they're not really across the world from each other. They're like maybe a day, a day's half walk. a day, like a couple miles, like, ten miles, maybe. Okay, but like the implication we got from Garrett explaining how he gets around was the Falcon's really important. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, don't get me wrong. I agree. It's weird that it's the same bird. Yeah. And I'm like, just fine. I needed an the... I felt like I needed an explanation. I just needed a second bird. <laughs> or a second bird, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all yeah. it needed to be. Just like some other bird. Or yeah. maybe, maybe like... make them like I don't know, twin birds, and we get like a half a scene of Merlin giving one of the birds to Garrett as he leaves. Yeah. Something. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, that it for Quest for Camelot? We all yep. good? Yeah. Yeah, we're all good. Okay. I'll, I'm all partied out. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's it for Quest for, Quest for Camelot. And, uh, We'll take one last short little break, and when we get back, we're going to close out the show. See you then. Years from now, no one will bother to recall your good King Arthur, because all of this will be mine! This will all be mine! I have a plan. It includes you. You, Juliano, Camelot, where I will claim all that is mine. In the back of your wagons, my men will... Now, back to... Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On... Acme Podcasts Incorporated. And welcome back for the last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I think we did a pretty good episode. I feel better about this week's episode than I do last week's episode, which is... I'll... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on. I, said, I feel good about this episode, too. Yeah. Uh, what about you, I, I am willing to take all the credit. <laughs> you know what? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to 
I'm going to manipulate your audio to make you say something horrible. So that's going to sound really stupid. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm willing uh, to take all the credit for the murder of King. <laughs> Uh, I am willing to take all the credit for blowing up your backyard. <laughs> for blowing uh, have we called nine one one for that yet? Uh, you know, uh, it'll, it'll peter it, out on its own. It sorted itself out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, there's so much concrete back there. It, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's a controlled burn. Yeah, yeah, it's a controlled burn. Uh, our fence is made of asbestos, so you know we're good. Um, we may have uh, mesothelioma in 30 years, but we'll worry about that then. Uh, but after science told me there weren't any side effects, would they uh, lie to me? Yes. Yes, they would. Darn. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, no. Um, I had a bad feeling about last week's episode, or last episode. I, I just, I didn't have my energy. I was... I, I didn't feel super passionate about either of the things we watched, even though I love the rescuers. I just, it, it felt like a, just like, oh yeah, why not? And I just, I just, I wasn't in a good mood that day. I and didn't have my energy. Audio foibles. Yeah. The audio foibles were an issue too, but I, I sounded real bad. Look, listening back to that. I sounded real bad. Yeah. You, you, you've had some crunchies this week too. But <clears throat> nothing to the point where you had to repeat yourself. I yeah. think. Oh, that's that's good. So, and those can be fixed if you want to. Yeah. I. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. But that's this week's episode. Uh. Next two weeks, we'll be back with uh, two new things. We haven't decided quite yet. That'll be after the podcast. Yeah. We we have that conversation later, and you get to find out when the next episode goes up. Uh. Maybe one day I'll start teasing it a little earlier, but you never know. Whatever. Never um, know. Yeah. Never know. Never know. Uh, never ever. You know what? Hmm. From now on, on the Mondays that we don't put up a podcast, we're going to say what the next episode is going to be. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll send it out in a tweet. Cool. And maybe I'll record a quick add in the you know what that would be a good place for the promos yeah there you go Just upload the promos as their own little like stinger on the mondays we don't have a show mm-hmm. could do that yeah but anyway we're nailing down the format we're nailing down the format that, we're getting that, there that, that's our mantra that's our motto. format keeps slipping away but we're gonna nail it down anyway yeah uh so yeah that's it for this week uh if you want to get a hold of us, there's a number of ways you can do that. Uh, the most reliable, I would say, is our email, which is acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Both of y'all repeat that back to me one at a time. That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. KP? That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Hell yeah, it is. Uh, send questions, comments, concerns. Uh, I said suggestions, right? Yes. Well, you did now. I did now. Okay. Questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, whatever. You know, just just throw it out there. That one um, was love confessions and death threats. You Usually. know, I'll, ta- 
I'm really at the point where I'll take any fan interaction at this point. Cool. It means it means someone was listening. Yeah. And cares enough to actually write in, even if it's bad emotions. Yeah. Uh, bad press is press. I should uh, start. I should start posting these episodes to Rad Server. I'm shocked you haven't already. I'm shocked yeah, I haven't either. Should. I should. should. I should go. I should put them in promo your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Um. But anyway. Other ways you can reach us, you can get us at Twitter at uh, at Podcasts Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Podcasts Inc. You can uh, also tweet space. And uh, Kai, why don't you tell us about that there Tumblr? You can uh, also follow us. I run the Tumblr. Uh, you can follow us on the Tumblr. That's uh, acmepodcast.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. The ass box is open if you want to send asks there. I don't only just post the um, podcast episodes, but I also um, reblog uh, lots of animation stuff. Like, like I actually tr- started trying to do it with things related to things we talk about. Like when I posted the stuff about Swan Princess and Rescuers, I had some stuff queued up for like concept art from the Rescuers and like some animation cells from like Swan Princess and stuff like that. Nice, nice. Do we have any followers there that aren't bots? I should say. KP. KP. Mm-hmm. KP and like two other people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, uh, Snipe, and one other person who I don't know. Okay. Well, that's. We also have t- we also got two new followers on the Twitter. Okay. Cool. Coolio. Coolio. You you specifically mentioned that you run the Tumblr, but you really do run the Twitter as well. I almost never get on there. Yeah, I also retweet animation stuff on there too, but it's hard to find specific things like the stuff we talked about, so I just retweet cool animation. Yeah. Uh, I can technically make GIFs or GIFs. I don't care how you pronounce it. Just let me pronounce it my way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they have such horrible compression on them that it's not worth it. Fair enough. Uh, GIMP is not it's not um, ideal for making GIFs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So theoretically I could capture video of what we are watching and make our own stuff but that's it's not quite the same. Um, Anyway that's how you can get a hold of the show. If you want to get a hold of us individually, uh, you can find me at, at J-I-B-B-L-Y, J-I-B-B-L-Y, that's at Ghibli Ghibli, on Twitter, and that's really my only social medias. Don't look elsewhere. Uh, I've got an Instagram and a Facebook, but that's private. Uh, well, no, Instagram's public, but <laughs> there's nothing animation don't you, there. Don't you um, post toy stuff there? I... I used to. I I have not posted to Instagram in quite a while. I'd love to see your toy stuff. I'll if I start doing it again. I will. Okay. I haven't taken. I um. I reached a point in my let's call it artistic journey where I was dissatisfied with just taking stuff on the furniture in my house. 
And I get, so I got like a little like photo box, photo booth box thing with a small little light kit. And I quickly realized I don't really like this either. It's too sterile. I either want to start making dioramas, which is intimidating, or I want to go outside and take mm-hmm. photos outside. But that's its own beast. Yeah, because like I we got like some like little foresty areas and uh, like open grassy areas, but they're all near places that. We got snakes and gators and stuff like that. Florida. Florida, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we actually have gators, but we got some bodies of water. And there's signs posted like, caution, there could be gators and snakes. So I'd rather just avoid all that. There was a bobcat sighting in my neighborhood last year. Um, So I just don't... And I have no backyard to speak of. Uh, It is... Not now that I've burnt it down. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it it is smaller than my bedroom wow um maybe just a little stretched out but yeah it is it's tiny and it's not really like a good out yardy area um i live in like a shitty old person gated community yeah uh i live in what's referred to as a villa which is like a townhouse it there's like one building and it's divided into two homes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, my mom decided she no longer wanted to have to worry about maintaining a yard. So this place takes care of all the landscaping and takes care of everything that's outside. Fair so, enough. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, I just haven't reached. I need to find proper inspiration for photos to happen again i have ideas but i either need dioramas which means i need to start making dioramas which is its own beast yep uh or i need to start going outside which i hate doing uh so yeah that's why don't bother with my instagram right now i i mostly (laughs) just look at photos there um Uh, yeah uh but where can they find you kai uh, you can find me over at on. You can find me at on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor. That's K A I J U underscore E M P E R O R. Kaiju underscore emperor. You can also find me on Tumblr at kaiju dash emperor. Same spelling. Um, you can also um, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, I also have a side blog called a uh, Kai's Tome, where I post a lot of my uh homebrew D&D things. Like, I post a lot of uh, magic items I made or, like, um, I've got a bunch of homebrew D&D classes over there if you like that sort of thing. Now, really... assume that I'm a dumb listener. Is there a dash or underscore in that one? It is. No, it's just K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E Kai's Tome. No spaces. It was a place for me to post writing, but I just like, you know what? I'm just going to post my D&D stuff here. Okay. And people seem to like um, some of my stuff. I have a, a a druid circle that's all about, like, a druid that's a farmer called the Circle of the Harvest. And I've got, like, nice. a a uh, um, Iron Hand monk that people seem to really like. And I've got a bunch of magic item stuff. Nice. But anyway. And that's, that's where you can find me. All right. Uh, KP. Throw it down. 
Okay, so you can find me both on Twitter and Tumblr. I don't know why you would. I don't post anything worthwhile. But my uh, name on both is Kuiper Nebula. Um, those of you who aren't into astronomy, Kuiper is K-U-I-P-E-R. And then Nebula is N-E-B-U-L-A. So the total thing is K-U-I-P-E-R-N-E-B-U-L-A. That's one word, Kuiper Nebula. And that's the same for both Twitter and Tumblr. I don't post a lot on, on either of them. And to be honest, you probably want to wait until I'm in a better headspace to follow me. But uh, I like to reblog cool things. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's how you can get in contact with us. And uh, as is the new sign out for this for this show, uh, don't be a jackass. Have a good week. Stay gold, pony boy. No, I, 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 I don't like it. No, it's. I'm just making a. It's an I, Oliver I Twist. It's an Oliver Twist reference. What? It's an, Excuse it's me. A, there's a scene at the end where he. Never mind. I'm not going to get into this. Stay gold, pony boy. Is from The Outsiders. Yeah. It's, re- it's referencing Oliver Twist. No. Okay, never mind. I clearly don't know Oliver Twist. <laughs> oh, hold on. You know what? Let's let's not get into this. All right. Uh, you know, back to the official sign out. Don't be a jackass. Have a good week. Bye. Anyway, so yes, yeah, Scoob. Uh, oh, oh boy. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? What the fuck is this movie? Before we jump into it, I just want to say I was very excited about this movie from the first trailer. <laughs> I heard all the leaks, and I was still really excited. Yeah. And also. I called it Didi Skies is from another Hanna-Barbera thing. Uh, what is she she's from? from Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. I oh, see. she's one of the Teen Angels. Yeah. Okay, before we go on, spoilers. Oh yeah, no, this is a full dive into it. We are going to talk about it front to back, even though it's only been out a day. Two yeah, days, that, really. It, this, is, this is big spoiler. For this movie, big spoiler warning. We, yeah. you know, we should well, get a, a audio thing for spoilers. I'll I'll cook something up. Um, actually, it'll be out. Have been out three days by the time this goes up. But, uh, yeah, yeah. it's pretty. Uh, it, this is hot off the presses. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it.
Oh boy. I don't know I, how to... Go ahead. I, I know it's bad. I know. <laughs> I, I know in my heart it's bad. But I love it. it. It's... It doesn't hold anything in the Hanna-Barbera lore as sacred. Including Scooby-Doo itself. While exalting it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's my favorite take on anything that's like a legacy series. Okay, so for those who don't know, not long after this movie came out, there was a big 4chan post that was basically just played out the entire plot of this movie. And it sounded too stupid and too insane to be true. Well, guess what? It was all true. It was all fucking true. Dick Bastard... Dick Dastardly steals the skulls of Cerberus to open Hades so he can save <laughs> Muttley from Hades. This movie is so fucking wild. Oh, wait, wait. You forgot the bit about Alexander the Great's Great Dane? Uh, <sighs> and he, he was, the yeah, ancestor he was... to Scooby. And Shaggy may or may not be the reincarnation of Alexander the Great. You see, the, I I think that's uh, you reaching. Yeah, that is probably, it might be reaching. It might not. Listen, the movie didn't really explain the end or really anything very well. No, the, the, the end just explained it had to be two friends whose bond was ever growing. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, boy. But I, for, my brain was oh, fried by that point in the yeah. movie. Where do I even be? Where do I even begin? Okay, so the movie starts with uh, you see a pup named Scooby-Doo stealing a gyro, uh, the the vertical meat slicing apparatus yeah. that they also use in shawarma, but they specifically call it Grand Theft Gyro. So a gyro on Venice Beach, and he runs from the cop, and he hides in some sand, and Shaggy's alone and sad and a kid, and he has no friends, and Scoob approaches him eventually the bond is built we get the scooby shag thing and then like we get a jump forward and then we get him meeting the gang and then we get more of a jump forward with a giant basically recreation of the original opening of scooby-doo and it's like all right gang is formed they've done a bunch of mysteries with one important exception one added shot yeah fred Fred had a date with his car fred wants to fuck Ah. his car to be fair, yes. I think most heterosexual males do want to fuck their car. Yeah. Um, you show me a nice 1965 Buick Riviera, and well, I'm standing at half mast. Laser. We can, yeah. Let's. let's I'm just saying, certain, certain vintage cars. I got a chub. Uh, anyway (laughs) listen if you can feel like if you can say you feel personally attacked by uh, big strong lizard women I'm going to talk about my car thing you know what fair point yeah fair enough Simon Cowell is here a horrible representation of Simon Cowell, and it turns out to not be Simon Cowell. It turns out to be Dick Dastardly. Maybe it's not made clear if the first Simon Cowell was also 
the thing at the end. It would make sense if it was. It would make sense if it was. Because he wanted to split off Scoob and Shag from the rest of the gang so he could get them easier. Yeah, that makes sense. It would explain it. It would. So it was... He was disguised himself as Simon Cowell, but also he had the Dick Dastardly mask over the Simon Cowell mask, and the Simon Cowell mask was over the real Dick Dastardly face. Yeah. God, this movie's fucking... It's okay, uh... that, that was just a joke about the the way Scooby things end. Here's okay. Um, just gonna say another thing. Brain, take your time. Um, I don't know the. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It was um I I thought it was an interesting take on Scooby Doo. I felt like my issue came more with the fact that it wasn't really a Scooby Doo movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. really a Scooby Doo. If they built this as it, a Hanna Barbera movie or a Blue Falcon movie, I'd be in. I would have gotten it. Yeah, it was it, a Scooby Doo yeah. movie that wasn't. It was about Scooby Doo. It was not a movie. For Scooby Doo, it was not the style of a Scooby Doo movie. And listen, I'm all I get it. Sometimes we want to break away from formula. There are certain franchises where I feel like the formula is, in fact, the first thing we need to address. Scooby Doo happens to be one of them. The same way, if you were to give me a loop in the third story and loop it, and it's not about a heist loop and pulling, I'm got to be very confused the entire time. Or if it's, um, I don't know. What's another good one? A superhero movie where they're not trying to stop the the supervillain. I mean, I uh, superhero. That's a. I'm talking about like specific franchises, not necessarily. Fair enough. Setups. Fair enough. Or like a Legend of Zelda game. If a uh, Legend of Zelda game isn't like about Ganon, through, it's not. Well, if it's not about Ganon, that's fine. But it's got to be Link. Go. It's Link going through dungeons. No matter how loosely we define dungeons, see Breath of the Wild, he's going through a bunch of dungeons to stop the bad guy with the Master Sword or the Four Sword if we're getting into certain games. It's a formula that's or Mario. Mario's a better example. Example. Mario. Mario goes place to place, jumps on things, saves the princess from Bowser. Now you see what you just said makes me want something very specific from the next Legend of Zelda. Uh-huh. I want it to be a political thriller starring Zelda, and it's just an adventure game of her dealing with the uh, inter-kingdom politics. Listen, nothing would make me happier than that. Isn't that the CDI game? No, because she's fuck like you. climbing stuff. Yeah, okay. <laughs> fuck you. It's a joke. Yeah. Uh, but also, I will admit, having that as like an Ace Attorney style game would be fun. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more like a Telltale game. Uh, I'll have people too. But so, we know, uh, but also I would like to play Zelda in the next Breath of the Wild. That'd also be great. Be yeah, fine with that. You mentioned how this would this should just be a Hanna Barbera film. The thing is, is they probably wanted to just it be a Hanna Barbera film, but like Scooby Doo is the most, you know, yeah. it's the most recognizable. It's the most. It's like the most successful one. So they pro- that was probably yeah. And they why didn't they even did pull like their the. It's only from like half of their stuff because like they didn't even get into like. The Yogi Bear, um, Snagglepuss, that side of Hanna Barbera, Huckleberry Hound. Yeah, 
that's like the other so- half of the products. Top so it is weird to me they cast. never. It is still weird to me that they didn't start referencing Johnny Quest until the very end. Yeah, they wanted to pull him into this movie. Perfect fit, better than it, Captain Caveman. Yeah, it would have been right up the alley, especially because this feels. Honestly, genuinely, this plot would have worked better as a Johnny Quest movie. It would have. It would have worked like, way better like as a Johnny if, Quest if movie. If it's a Johnny Quest movie where they're trying to go into the o- over into the underworld because someone is grabbing the skulls of Cerberus, be like, yeah, that tracks. That's a Johnny even, Quest. Even plot. if it, even if it was even if it was still Dick Dastardly. Even if it's still Dick Dastardly, like, yeah, that's a reference. And Johnny Quest has seven million villains. Yeah. Okay, you, you know what would have would have actually worked. Is if the Scooby Gang were like going through the the Captain Caveman Jungle Island, and mm-hmm. then like they were just they walked by the 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 Johnny Quest Gang, and they were on their own separate adventure, and they were like, "Hey, what's up?" And they just walked by each other, and never even. Okay, never I will even... say the one reason I can see why they wouldn't have wanted to use Johnny Quest is because if you the main reason they've never done a modern adaptation of Johnny Quest, you have to address a lot of problematic elements of a very particular character. Yeah, yeah. All listen, all I'm saying is, is I would have loved for Race Bannon and if Race Bannon to go look look at Freddy and go, nice ascot. <laughs> you know what would make me very happy? Mm. If Fred's uh mother's maiden name was Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. That actually be really good. I could see Fred being related to Race Bannon. Okay, here's another thing I wasn't sure what... It felt weird that they both really wanted to reinvent the wheel with the Scooby gang, but also wanted to do zero with them. Yeah. You had stuff like Velma... Like, here's the thing. I thought it was neat that they were trying to go, hey, this our version of Velma is Latina for half a scene, and then they didn't do anything with it. It was mm-hmm. a neat idea, but like they didn't use a lot of Velma in this movie. <laughs> They didn't use a lot of the, the the other gang besides Scoob and Shag, honestly. Yeah. And even Scoob and Shag really didn't get a lot of... Honestly, the movie was too short to give anyone a lot of play. Nope. Other than Shaggy. Yeah. Even Shaggy's whole thing felt really truncated because it was sandwiched between kind of forced action scenes, a lot of Dick Dastardly, then the whole thing with the Blue Falcon. I was okay. going to say, Dick Dastardly and Brian got the most characterization. Yeah. With all that being said, there are some things I like about it. Yeah. I, I like everything we've just talked about. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's fine. You can like it. Yeah. We're, not, yeah. We're, we're not here to rain on your parade. Yeah. Um, I actually thought Ryan and the Blue Falcon stuff was funny. Yeah, I really did like that. That Brian, specifically Brian. Um, yeah, that, that stuff was I, actually really funny. I also really, really, really like Dino Mutt in this movie. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. so funny because he was did not care. Could he, not they, they got the perfect character actor for him, uh, Ken Jong, mm-hmm. uh, who you might recognize from. Well, he has a sitcom that he plays the main character, Doctor Ken, or yeah, but he's also. Uh, I know neither of you have watched Community, but he's Chang in that. He's in that. Yeah. He's Chang, um, and he's yeah. also. Have you seen Hangover? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, he's the uh, crazy uh, 
mafia boss in that. The sick, the sick car we're talking about is uh, fresh off the boat, right? No, 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 no. It's not that. Okay. He's not in that. He's in um. I think, I think it's called Doctor Ken or something like that. Because uh-huh. he was literally before he was an actor, he was a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he's a very good comedic actor. He has very good range, and Dino Mutt is perfectly in his alley of kind of tired. He does tired, or not tired. Um, like. Tired is the best word. Would you agree for Dinobot? Yeah. Dry. Yeah. He, he's really done. good at done. done. Kind of word I would yes. Use. Done. He's exasperated. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of his strengths. And then his other strength is just batshit insane. Yeah. So he also honestly would have been a good pull for Dick Dastardly. I think that's the, okay. He does or the Captain other- Caveman even. That's the other thing uh, I like this film. I actually really like this Dick Dastardly. <laughs> this is the best Dick Dastardly has been in years. I love it. The way he kept going, I was kind of sad we didn't get Penelope Pit Stop also. Yeah. Because she's like the main thing with him. And it would have been neat to like, if we were going to get so much of him, go into that whole deal. Yeah. I also just like her design. Would have liked to see how they would update it. I yeah. would have loved for her and Daphne to have traded like makeup secrets or something. I have a theory. I genuinely almost expected the sheriff lady that that pulled the that that yeah. That's, that's what I thought. Off. That would have yeah. been great. I I really think that she was based on Penelope Pitstop. Like I, I think that, she that's was, my head canon that well, he based, based on the, the costume end of the that. movie. Based on the credits, I think that was supposed to be a celebrity cameo. None of us caught. Uh, Susan Sarandon, I think. Mm. Oh, Susan Sarandon. I saw her in the uh, in the credits. Got it. Got so I think it. that was supposed to be the idea. But yeah. genuinely, I was waiting. I didn't catch that, so I was just waiting for her to go. Wait a second, Dick Dastardly? Why I know him? And then, oh, her, sorry. then she pulls out a parasol. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not Susan Sarandon. That was Christina Hendricks, uh, ah. who you might know from Mad Men and oh, a lot of well, other things, but that's what she's best known in. Got it. Got it. Give me a second. If I see her, I will. Oh, yeah. She was Joan. Yeah. Um, uh, she's also Gabby Gabby in Toy Story 4, if you've seen that. That's oh. why I didn't recognize her. I and... recognized her with red hair. Yeah. Mad Men. I. Well, I... I love Dick Dastardly. He's great in this. He, yeah, Dick Dastardly was fantastic. He, his character animation, his design, and I actually really liked how his big dumb ship looked like his old car from Mike Races. Yeah. yeah. Jason Isaacs knocked it out of the ballpark on his performance. Uh, that's fucking Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. Yep. Wild. Fucking um, absolutely insane. Oh, by the way, I was completely right. You remember that scene where in the mirror part from you know the one I talked about where someone was like, Yep, someone's gonna clip this. Mm, and, yeah. And immediately went on Tumblr. That was one of the oh. first things I saw. Dick dick dick, dick 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 Just shouting dick over and over and over again. Uh that's gonna be the new uh Hitler going nine 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 nine. Yeah. From yeah. uh what was that? Was that Valkyrie or something? I can't remember. 
I think so. Project Valkyrie. Something like that, yeah. No, it, it was Inglorious Bastards, wasn't it? No, 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 no. That it predates that. I'm pretty sure. Okay, then it was Valkyrie. Yeah. But yeah, I just I'm also waiting for the eventual someone taking some of those clips and putting just Robbie Rotten audio over it. Yeah. I I will say one of the other things I really liked about this movie was the designs and like the actual like visual spectacle yes. of it. I liked every redesign, even like the nods to like the original stuff because the only one. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was saying the only one that like was a major departure because they like even Daphne was like her original outfit just like tweaked to be modern. Velma didn't require a lot of changing. Fred's was the biggest departure, and even then, by the end of the movie, he made the reference to his ascot. Yeah, Fred's <laughs> face is so fucking weird. I just couldn't get over it. His face is yeah. always kind of weird. It, no, it's really, not one that translates into CG well. It just he just looked particularly where he like like I mentioned, he looked like he was about to go hang with the boys over at the Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. I mean that's sort of Fred's vibe though. But more this was no He's Fred, always been a prep. He's a brainy prep, but he's a prep. Also, yeah. they didn't they didn't capture Fred's himbo energy. Yeah, they really didn't. Well, um, they they leaned real hard into the he's a pr- uh, privileged straight boy thing. Yeah, yeah, they needed to lean more into the fact that he's a fucking hembo. I mean, they tried for a second when he's like, "I don't get what a kilometer is," but it came off more as "I'm too white for this." I'm a I straight, really... Yeah, I'm a straight white man. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, the thing with Fred that I'm most upset with is they didn't get into the trap thing. Yeah. 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 That's kind of like anytime you play with the format of Scooby Doo, Fred's obsessed with traps, whether it's Pup Named Scooby Doo or Mystery Inc. Especially Mystery Inc. Yeah. I'm also sad we didn't get a red herring reference. I kind of expected it. Like when they were pulling off his head at the end, I almost expected it to be like after Simon Cowell, like red Red herring. Red herring. I knew it. That would (laughs) have been really fucking funny. That would have been a joke only for us, though. Yeah. yeah. I kind of gave up on the dream of Fred Herring ever getting mentioned again when he didn't get mentioned in Mystery Inc. Yeah. If, yeah, it was gonna, if he was going to be mentioned in anything, it would have been Mystery Inc. Yeah. Which, uh, the Hex Girls also got mentioned in this movie. I was very happy about they, it. Yeah. I, yeah. And it was their designs Herring. from Witch's Ghost. Not, yeah. not, not even Mystery Inc. Or, or new designs, either. It was like original designs. Well, that's because yeah. they were a cameo, but still. Yeah, we also saw a bunch of other ones like Hong Kong Fui and he he had an arcade machine and then uh, the octopus. What are the fuck his name? I can't remember. I never yeah, saw that is, show. So I forget. I, his I name. didn't see it either. I just I did recognize him. There was also the weird Hanna Barbera show about like the all the like tiny animals with T-shirts. Yeah, that yeah. was on another poster. Yeah, I th- I'm surprised we didn't see Speed Buggy somewhere. Or if we did, I missed it. We didn't, because no. the, the ending just had um, Magilla Gorilla. No, it was Great Bait. Sorry. It was Great, Great Bait. Um, it had Jabberjaw. It had Adam Ants. A weirdly redesigned Adam Ant. I will it, also It's say. going for that Iron Man vibe. Slash yeah. Ant-Man. Yeah. Well, no. It's really more Iron Man vibe than Ant-Man vibe. Like, even yeah. though, yeah... Ant Man is the obviously comparison for Adam Ant. Um, mm. 
just the the the, the armor design is much more because yeah. MCU uh, Adam uh, MCU Ant Man has more like a it's closer to Spider Man than it is to armor. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I. Um... When they showed the, the the team, the the superhero team at the end, I'm surprised it wasn't one of them wasn't like underdog. Underdog's not Hanna Barbera. I'm almost certain. Are you 100 percent sure? I'm not. I'm looking it up. I'm same. Hmm. Um. I'm pretty sure it is, but I might be wrong. I could be very wrong. Uh, it doesn't look like it. I think it was the same people who did um, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, that that's what I oh, thought. Okay. Um, oh, you know who? You know what? Uh, would have been a really funny reference. What? I would have liked to have seen like a poster for like Quick Mom, Quick Draw McGraw or something. You see the 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 thing that with the superheroes that I was sure if they were going to do something with that, it would have been the more obvious ones of Space Bird, Ghost and Birdman. Birdman. Yeah, Space yeah. Ghost and Birdman. All yep. I need for the MCU, for the, the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe HB- is that... What? The HBCU. The HBCU is I need Space Ghost to be a former talk show host or active talk show host gains the power of a space phantom. And so his mild-mannered counterpart is fucking Conan O'Brien or whatever. And then I need Birdman's real name to be Harvey, and I need him to be an attorney. Now I'm just imagining Conan O'Brien playing Space Ghost. Sorry, I'm just imagining it being like, what's the name of that movie? Um, There's that Star Trek movie about the dude who's at a con that ends up like accidentally getting beamed up to the ship. Oh, you're talking about Galaxy Quest. Yes, Galaxy Quest. I'm imagining like that, where he's a talk show host that accidentally gets pulled into being Space Ghost. Yeah, that that's not quite how Galaxy Quest worked. Oh, uh, I Galaxy only saw Quest it once. Yeah, Galaxy good, Quest was the original cast of a Star Trek like show. Mm. Uh, their show got broadcast over the waves, so that means it's going out through space. And aliens picked it up and thought it was documentary footage. Oh, and so, like, okay. we need these heroes to save us, and so they beam them up. These yep. actors, these old, mm-hmm. washed-up actors, and that's Galaxy Quest. And it's it's, the, it's it's actually a good movie. It's a really good movie. It's the only. It's one of the only movies with Tim Allen that I will recommend. Mm. Not Allen Rickman in it. Well, yeah. I mean, I like Alan Rickman, but you know. But I love Alan Rickman. But I mean. Tim Allen is. I know, I know. I do admittedly used to love Home Improvement, but mm-hmm. the more I learned yeah. about Tim Allen, the less I enjoyed his shows. Also, yeah. Said. yeah. yeah. Like, um, that, that, that was the idea I had when you mentioned Space Ghost. Was he's a talk show host that kind of accidentally gets pulled into becoming the Space Ghost, and now he's got to wing it. I see it being a Hal Jordan Green Green Lantern thing where he's just ah. a test pilot who gets the power by accident or is deemed worthy of the power. Mm. That That's sort of how I see it. But he doesn't give up his day job of being a talk show host. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really good. 
In fact, he makes it part of like the talk show host becomes Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yeah. Leveraging his fame. Yeah. I now I'm remembering my. Okay, are the kids original like Jan and Jace? Are they part of? Um... No, they meant they they've made it make a joke about how they died in some sort of horrible accident in Space Ghost Coast. No, no. Coast. Here, here is. Here was my uh, my. Th- are, I just want to know: Are they part of the Space Ghost program, or are they interns on his talk show that get roped into helping him do superhero bullshit? They're in our version. They're uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Them being interns. No, 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 no. I like the idea that Jan is like the the network sensor that oversees all those shows. Mm-hmm. Ah. Like every talk show has an onboard network sensor who like tells the crew cut this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I used to watch Craig Ferguson every night mm-hmm. uh, when he was doing his thing and he always antagonized the, he made the sensor part of the show antagonizing them. Uh, I just always enjoyed that. I'd like, maybe that was the producer. I think that was, I li- yeah, I think it was the producer, not the sensor. Um, so I like the idea of Jan being the producer Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of Jace being the cameraman. Oh. Yeah, that works. Yeah, and then Blip the monkey is not supposed to be here. He's just here. <laughs> he, I like the idea that he accidentally got irradiated with space beams. Like they had like a Jack Hanna on, and Blip was just a monkey that was brought to the show to show like, look, a chimpanzee, you know, when they have, you know who Jack Hanna is? I know who Jack Hanna is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jack Hanna's wild, wild world. Yeah. He's like a very famous, like before there was the crocodile hunter, there was was Jack Hanna. Yeah. He was the Steve Irwin before Steve Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's Coyote Peterson. Yeah. There's some other guys too. I, I sometimes fall into this, YouTube hole of watching late night clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a couple people they get for those. Interestingly enough, uh, Steve Irwin's son is one of the people that does that now. Yeah, so, yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, yeah. I did see um, a thing with him where he was doing a, a spoof uh, nature thing and he had found toilet paper. To- toilet paper in the wilds. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just. I'm one. I'm the weird person who's a fan of late night talk shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. actively watch them like when they air anymore. I used to watch all of them. I used to watch Conan, Jay Leno. Uh, I would usually watch recordings of Letterman the next day. Actually, no, I would watch recordings of Leno and I would watch Letterman because Letterman. You have, you have was, late night talk show host energy. It's mm-hmm. kind of my dream job. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of my dream job. That or radio host. Those are like the things I always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, anything where I get to. It's funny. Fucking hate talking in the real world, but I love talking into a microphone. Yeah, because you don't have to directly look at the person. Yeah. yeah if you're but uh, do we have anything else to say about Scoob? Um, it felt honestly. Like it was half the length of it, what it should have been. Yeah, a lot happened, yeah. and also simultaneously, it felt like nothing happened. 
Like, it felt like we were skipping over what should have been actual story beats. Like, there was a whole, like, mini arc with Daphne where, like, her ability to connect with people because she has a good heart managed to save the day for them a couple times yeah but because it happened so quickly i couldn't tell if the if it was supposed to be a joke of oh yeah she's the pretty girl that one of the robots fell in love with or if it was supposed to be like a this is daphne showing that she also like genuinely cares about people and it's like an extension of her whole thing like she's the one who cared the most about getting shag and scoob back to the team i like I actually really like what they did with Daphne because they didn't make her like the vapid one. Yeah. No, they made Fred that. <laughs> yeah, I think it works better if Fred is that one, but he's not like, well, you know, he turns on the tr- he tries to turn on the charm with a cop. Yeah. But I think that's thing- more a tactic to get out of a ticket than yeah. the thing with uh, Daphne. I've noticed, though, in adaptations is no one's really sure what to do with her but very few people want to lean into her being vapid because like you have like the 90s uh not 90 like the the movies following um zombie island where they wanted to make her more of an the action girl and it it, yeah uh, can uh contrast to velma but also the one who's really into the supernatural versus velma but then you get like the live action stuff where they kind of lean into the vapidness but they lean hard into she's the one who's like hardcore she was the arthur conan doyle to velma's uh harry houdini yeah she um really and then like the the live action movie where she where they um that was for cartoon network i want to say had the had her being like the the like the original uh screen bible for the show the one obsessed with mystery novels yeah and just like really into like reading and like mysteries and solving them in a way that like they kind of shoved onto velma during like the zombie island run and then i like had yeah i got mystery inc where they lean more into the privilege thing because she is always been like an upper class girl which yeah. is the thing they also lean to in pup named scooby-doo yeah and mystery well you mentioned mystery yeah yeah. sorry both of them lean hardcore into she's upper class and that means she has certain experiences that the others don't but then mystery veers hard into she's also the one most interested in her romantic future we're ignoring velma's whole deal um yeah she's the one with the most active plot interest in her whole romantic future which causes a lot of her drama and we're not talking about mystery Inc., but that's her whole deal there yeah so we no will one talk really about knows, we no will one talk really about mystery knows what to do with daphne and so i did think this was a neat way of like trying to find a new way to spin her without taking out some of the stuff but i felt like I, it did miss some of that thing of her being the one who wants it to be supernatural i i like my favorite aspect of daphne's character is her love for cosmetics and whatnot become coming in handy constantly <laughs> yeah she like, always think, has something in her purse like that's that's my favorite thing that daphne does as a character and i think that's an aspect of her character i always want to be around she I just can definitely see that yeah especially because it works well as a foil to velma being hardcore practical to the point where she only brings like a laptop anywhere listen yeah 
there's butches and there's high femme. And yeah. you know, every group needs both. Like I, I want I want Velma to be the one who tells you where the, the old house is and it's like we can't get in and then and Daphne's the one who pulls out a bobby pin and unlocks the door. That's what I yeah, want. That that's or uh, man, I really wish we knew who broke into the safe and then she pulls out her uh um compact compacts and dust for prints with her yeah. uh, uh I don't know makeup so I'm going to shut Foundation. up. <laughs> Foundation powder. Foundation powder. Okay. So- I think that's a thing that ha- happens less often nowadays because I feel like that joke hasn't been in TV or cartoons in years. Yeah, I don't know. Though, I think it, it's, it's fair. We uh, could bring back. To be fair, to an earlier point I made, I think Velma's more of a futch than a butch. Yeah, you're not wrong. Except that's not. I can't get into this. We no, get into it, please. I it's love semantics. Not... Okay, so. From what I have been told by literally every lesbian I know, which is a lot more than you would expect. Okay. It's that Futch is kind of a fake thing. It's not real. It's you're either butch, femme, or neither. They're like, they're whole, wholly contained things. It's like how in, and I know this also will mean nothing to you, Laser, but Twink and Bear are mutually oh. exclusive. Oh, my friend. All of my IRL friends are lesbians. Okay, great. Okay. Or okay. bisexual women. I, 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 I'm aware of the terms. Okay, great. Bear and are Twink you, are also mutually exclusive is what I'm getting at. They are you saying otters out. aren't real? Do I have to bring up the Venn diagram for you? <laughs> you know, you do run into fewer hairy, skinny guys. True. Otter, here's the thing. Otter is a, its own wholly contained separate thing. As much as I joke that otter and cub are just if you mix twink and bear together, it they are their own wholly contained identities and separate things. That's why the anything other than bear or twink are much smaller, lesser known terms to the general audience, and why bear and twink have been murderized by literally every straight girl who's ever touched them. Um, and then you have hunks, which is a totally different thing. Wholly different thing that's not actually I can't Yeah, I know. It's a yeah. It's as far as I know, Futch is like a joke term for the idea of someone who wants to be both femme and butch because they're their own wholly separate contained identities that if you don't fall into, you just don't fall into them. There's no like combo. Now yeah. you see I well, okay. That's how I've been told anyway by But also labels are dumb anyway. Explain so. this to me. I I think we can okay so a lot of those things that don't exist in real life can still be useful terms for fictional, fictional, fictional characters. characters because there's a lot of let's say fashion choices people make in fiction yeah. that never happen in reality yeah but yeah. at the same time I can see so my understanding of Futch it's it's more like, yeah, they'll wear like skirts and dresses, but they don't necessarily want to bother with the whole like super dolled up makeup and wearing and a... a lazy femme. Does there have to be a difference between lazy femme and Futch? Well, yeah, because lazy Butch would be like they like the Butch look, but they don't want to deal with like the whole like full suit or like the um ties or like the fitted clothes they just want to like throw on a leather jacket and walk out the door also 
I do want to say none of us are authorities on this subject. None of us. This is what I have been. T- I am parroting what I have been told. And based on my experience, because I have had long conversations with lesbian friends, explain to them the intricacies of gay identities, because that I am an authority on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just here to learn. And I also enjoy semantics uh, way more than I should. Yeah. So basically. Uh, so. Yeah. As far as I can tell, it's either femme, butch, or neither. If you try to claim you're both uh, with Futch, it's just you're misunderstanding what the history of the terms is. Okay. So that's real world, though. We're, we're talking yeah. about classifying fictional characters here. Yeah. So I think the stance can still stand because yeah. it's I can fiction. Kind of, it, I can it, agree it, with that. But also, I would I would call their relationship less uh butch femme and i'd say it's more nerd cheerleader nerd yeah cheerleader. That's true. yeah they're more like if the nerd and the cheerleader yeah the prep and, then, and the cheer, the prep and the nerd you know yeah, the whole, our team is basically a stoner a nerd a cheerleader and a jock walk into a bar now you see the dog. Only, I, I i do make I do have an argument with that because mm-hmm. I think you could have a butch cheerleader in that they wear the male cheerleader uniform. Oh, absolutely, you can. You oh, yeah, absolutely, can. you can. Uh, but we're but if we're going by the fictional archetypes that we're setting Fair, out, true, true then true, true, true. Daphne is your very stereotypical preppy cheerleader, and Velma is your very stereotypical nerd who sits alone at lunch. Except she doesn't, because all of her friends love her, and if they don't, you're not writing Scooby Doo correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, anyway. but before she met her friends, she probably yeah, before did. she met her friends. Yeah. 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 All um, right. I don't think I have anything else to say about Scooby about Scoob. I um just. Just do Space Ghost and Birdman in the I, next thing. That's I all I need. I feel like if they continue doing Scooby adaptations in this style, I would rather they go back to form instead of trying to do a by-the-numbers uh, adventure movie. Because that's what this felt like was very... It very much was. And like, it's... I'm not saying there's anything against a by the numbers adventure movie. I'm thinking, I'm just saying if you want to do a by the numbers adventure movie, you could just do a blue Falcon or a Johnny, Johnny quest. quest, Johnny quest movie. movie yeah. Cause that's the format. Those were made for. Whereas yeah. Scooby-Doo has its own setup format. And if you want to play with, you can, but we have examples for you. Now you see, I'm going to disagree with you again. And I don't want you to take it personally. You could do a traditional adventure movie format with Scooby, but it has to be 13 Ghosts. Yes. Yes. That is fair. But if you're doing 13 Ghosts, then you have to start reconciling. Why do you want to reference that series? Do you want to bring in Flim Flam? If you don't, how are we making this 13 Ghosts? Do we throw out Velma and Fred? You mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have to rework 13 Ghosts entirely. I know. Do you want to bring in... um? Maybe they can make some sort of story that like Velma and Fred are on at some sort of convention. That's like some work convention. Isn't that what they did in the movie? In the movie, still haven't seen the movie. The movie sequel. The joke was that the entirety of uh, Thirteen Ghosts took place during the summer while Velma and Fred were at camp. (laughs) That was the joke to explain why 
they were dealing with 13 ghost stuff, but they were not there yeah. for it. The guy that now, got to play Vince explain the weird timeline of Flim Flam went from like 12 to 17. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Still haven't seen that movie. It, it's been it's on my fine. list. It's, it's fine. Fun. It's a good movie. I just want to see it because I it genuinely has, like 13 Ghosts. It has... How do I put this? It's not a bad quality movie. It has the same general quality of a direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movie. Of which course. Which is generally good, follows the formula pretty much to a T, but like that's what I'm watching Scooby-Doo for. Yeah. Yep. And that's um, fine. And if you want to mess with the formula, again, we have examples of movies that do that which are like zombie island which is ghost uh the live action movies you have the alien movie cyber yep. chase now there you see ways to mess with the formula without completely breaking into a different formula is what yeah. i'm saying no i i agree with you uh i do have one other thing i'd like to say that mm -hmm. uh, just occurred to me right this moment yes you know so we didn't really talk too much about Blue Falcon, even though he's a fairly major component of this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you guys know, but for the audience at home, this version of Blue Falcon is uh, not the original Blue Falcon that Shag and Scoob idolized as kids. This is the son of the original Blue Falcon. That's why we've been calling him Brian. Um. Because that's what they call him. He's Brian. Yeah. Uh, Astro. Ast Astromut? Dynamut. Dyna uh, Dynamut. Sorry. I, I always, some reason I always confuse Astro from the Jetsons with Dynamut. Fair enough. That's fair. They do look very similar. But they're they just do. both gray dogs. That, with that's green all with, yeah. with green, green collars. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dynamut. Astro is the descendant of Dynamut. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you mean the other way around? No, no, no. Astro is from the future. future. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, the far off future of 2002. <laughs> God, now sorry. Thinking of Jetsons has reminded me of a cursed thing my a friend of mine and I used to do, which was. This game we called um, the CW version. Oh, a franchise no. and came up with the CW adaptation version of it. And the two of two oh. of our favorites for that were Flintstones and Jetsons. Uh, of course. I'm going to have to did play it with Sabrina before the Sabrina thing was announced. Of course, we got we're gonna... shockingly close. We're going to have to talk about that later off the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I am morbidly curious and violently don't want to hear it at the same time. Um, hey, continue with the thought about Blue Falcon. Yeah. The fact that this isn't the original Blue Falcon gives me hope of like a period piece set in the 80s starring the original Blue Falcon with Space Ghost and Birdman. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. With a younger... A dino mutt that's closer to his original personality. Yeah. Still Ken Jong though, but yeah, a younger yeah. dino mutt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little less high tech dino mutt. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe like another one of the teen angels operating in place of DD, just because DD's like probably younger than Brian or the same age. 
mm-hmm. yeah and she's definitely built she definitely seems to be like a part of brian's team and not the dad's team yeah was not- the impression i got or if she was part of the dad's team it was right when the transition started happening yeah because she seems very young to have been part of his permanent entourage unless she was like a kid sidekick which could have yeah. been yeah she could have been it depends on what era we set this in because like the age they are she, now she would have been a kid in like the early 2000s yeah but she also seems to be slightly older than the shaggy gang who are maybe like Even, 17 or 18 like, in this movie like she can't be older than like than like 21 yeah so she'd still be like a kid in like the late in the early 2000s. Yeah. She'd have to have been born in the late 90s. And yeah. I would just want this movie to be in the 80s because I like 80s. Ah. I mean, um, it could have been like her mom or something. Could yeah. have been her mom. Yeah. Something. CC Sky. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just, yeah. Just get more, uh, just get more, more Hanna-Barbera references. That's the word and I was looking for. The more Hanna-Barbera references they bring in, the more obvious it's going to become how little, what's I'm looking for? Substance? No, that's not the word I was looking for. Um, representation there is among the cast? Yeah, and like, listen, I get that it was its own time period. Like, I get it. No, yeah, you're, you're right. Those things right. are like the more we start bringing in, the more we're gonna have to start asking which of these characters have low enough fan bases that they won't care that we start tweaking. Scooby think... obviously isn't gonna be that one, even though they did start tweaking them just a little bit. Yeah, I think you're safe with anything that's not Scooby, Space Ghost. Birdman. Would just anyone you started changing Jabberjaw? Anyone other than Jabberjaw I himself? I don't no. think so at all. I, I'm literally just saying anyone other than Scooby, Space Ghost, Birdman, or like Johnny Quest. Yeah. Yeah. Those seem to be the big ones. I could see maybe... Mm. And maybe like the animal ones, I can feel like people would get upset, like Yogi Bear. But uh, those are animals, so they yeah. don't have to be coded as a specific race. They could just be. And I say that, but Snagglepuss is. But Snagglepuss is gay. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. He we, is a stereotype. Yeah. As the kids right, say, what? I don't know what you're talking about. A stereotype, even. Oh. Exit stage left. Right, even. <laughs> anyway. I love Snagglepuss. Yeah, it's like one of those things where if they wanted to start using... If they start doing, like, the things they were uh, starting to set up at the end, they'd do a Jabberjaw thing, or if we bring in Speed Buggy, or we do Space Ghost. The more of those we bring in, the more obvious it's going to become that this series is not as diverse as, like, a modern work would it, want to be. You need... They they need to mix it up. Uh, I and think like, and that's why I thought it was neat that they brought in Dee Dee as yeah. like a one who, in her own show, was the token black character, which was a thing Anna Barbera was doing in that, in that well, era. 
it's not so much that it's that the teen angels were specifically based on Charlie's angels. And one of the Charlie's yeah. angels was black. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm thinking like that was about when uh, they did um, Josie and the Pussycats. And they were the ones that predated. If I remember correctly, they wanted the black character and that started changing the comic. Cause the comic liked the TV show so much. Yeah. Or something that it was like a whole thing that was happening across the board at that point for Josie and the Pussycats. Because that was about right before, you know, tokenism started really taking off. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would like to be in this movie a lot. Yeah. I would like to see Josie and the Pussycats. Just be- you, you remember that, uh, that old Cartoon Network, like interstitial with the uh, Josie and the Pussycats oh, yeah. song? Yeah. I'd yeah, love yeah. to see them recreate that in the movie style. Yeah. Where they cover all these different genres like to see where Josie and the Pussycats actually is they make it a period piece where they're like an 80s band because like the gimmick would work oh okay yeah I can see that it would also there's there was a lot of musical genres going around in the 80s yeah you you had EDM started showing up in the 70s really but it started taking off then you had hip-hop taking off you had Mm -hmm. Uh, punk rock was going stronger and stronger. You had metal, hair metal, uh, the pop thing, like, 80s. Even is... better than like their 60s. I feel like a 70s, 80s band using their, their late gimmick. 70s, 80s, late 70s into the 80s would be very good. Yeah. Not to be that guy. Like, they get to keep the gimmick, was my point. Not to yeah. be that guy, but this entire conversation could be a whole podcast. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, we got to move on. <laughs> okay, okay. I just had one more point I wanted to make about Josie and the Pussycats. That's mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, you wanted them to do an adaptation in the style of this movie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, yes, that. But you know what? They could just do is they could just make they could just recreate Blues Brothers with Josie and the Pussycats. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I would be thrilled with that. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, that's Scoob. Uh, <laughs> that, I, uh, that, I, I, that I usually, took a while. I usually like the tangents, but like, I'm like, I could, I can see, I could see the yeah. road as we were driving. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long road if I don't stop it. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't even might... touched the content for this episode. I might take the entire Scoob conversation and tape it on to the end. A bonus episode? Like a spoiler cast at the end. You know what? That's fair. That Uh, would be neat, actually. That that would work, yeah. Just so I don't have to be like, okay, spoilers start here, they end there. I could just tape it on to the end. Spoilers at the end. Yeah. Um, But anyway. The show's over, Dad? I guess. The Barbarian!